and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are continuing our journey through hell. Like, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> so we've kind of spread these episodes out, and probably for the best, really. Thank um, fuck. We, of course, covered Hellraiser, horror masterpiece, classic. Yeah. Can't fault it, you know, can't classic. Howbound, Howraiser 2 on the same episode, another camp classic, you know, fantastic sequel. Fun time, good good film. Then we delved into Howraiser 3, Trash the Piece. I, you know, it's fun to watch. It's not a good film, but it's fun to watch. Yeah. Howraiser Bloodline, not so fun to watch. That's the one in space, in case you don't remember. The one in space, thank you. Yeah. Across three different time periods. Oh, God. With Adam Scott. Adam Scott. I Alan see. Smithy film. Yes. And then we did Hellraiser Inferno, which I don't mind. I don't think it's terrible. It's not good, but it's not. It's the one with the uh, Craig Sheffer and the Karate Cowboys. I have no idea what you're going on about. He finds children's fingers throughout the film, and then does he? You, you don't remember anything about? I don't. The ice cream any van of that. scene. No? No. Craig Sheffer from Body Double. Nightbreed. Nightbreed? Yeah. Oh, him! Oh, who's the dude from Dream Warriors slash Body Double? I don't think he's Craig Sheffer, is he? No. No. Yeah, problem, I know which I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah. The one that was wasn't really a Hellraiser film. Yeah, yeah, the, the one that was seven rip off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and then before this episode, our latest one we discussed. <laughs> On the same episode of Infer- as Inferno was Hellseeker, the film that got Ashley Lawrence a new fridge. And I can tell you something right now. I don't remember hardly anything about that one. All I remember is it was terrible. Uh, and there's a scene where he's fucking his neighbor on camera. She dies in a car crash. She does, yeah, and then she's like behind it all. Early on. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah, I, I mean... Why would you randomly listen to this episode if you haven't listened to it? It's true. That is very true. Um, but yeah, no, Craig Craig Sheffer. Just give me one second. His name was Craig Wasson. Oh, okay. Craig yeah. Wasson from Body Double. I wish he was in that film. It may have been a better film. Um, <laughs> but I don't... I Yeah. I'm struggling to remember. My my problem with these Harry's films so far is... I only really remember... First three. Yeah. And then there's little snippets of everything, which is unusual because when we do films for the podcast, I do have to concentrate a little more. Mm -hmm. So I do remember certain things, but yeah, it's... And they don't even follow from each other. So it's not even like there's the same actors and every... There are a few consistent ones. But they're all like completely different fucking stories. Yeah, it's a mess. And obviously, once you reach uh, Harry's Bloodlines, you're in the Weinstein's era, unfortunately. And from Inferno onwards, they banned Clive Barker having anything to do with any of these films. Mm. And it is painfully obvious. Um, and it only gets worse. This is part four of our journey through the Hellraiser franchise. And we're starting with... Hellraiser, Deader, from 2005. Yeah, you heard it right. The name of the film is Deader. Now, I remember watching this. I think this was 
potential. No, no, it was the first Hellraiser sequel I watched. Ooh. I think I may have watched it. It was that weird era uh, between 2003, 2005, where I was just watching anything new that was being released. Um, and I, I, I was like. But you were 11. I was 13. When this came, but between 2003 and 2000... 2003, I was 11. You were yeah. 11? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm showing you the sound of fucking music, mate. Um, so yeah, 2005, I was 13, I watched this, and my standards were pretty fucking low. And I remember Ooh. I hated this film. It was, for the longest time, the worst film I'd ever seen. Um, and whilst I have seen worse since, it's still up there. This is fucking abysmal. <laughs> Oh, we'll get into it, but fucking I just hell. remember Pinhead was obviously, you know, I knew of Hellraiser and Pinhead was the main thing. You know, obviously Pinhead is the face of the franchise. Um, Was never planned that way, but that was how it went. And, you know, Doug Bradley's fantastic performance, you could understand why. And I just remember watching this film and thinking, what the fuck is he? Like, he's must be in this for like two minutes maximum. Mm. It's ridiculous. It is one of those sequels that, despite having fuck all to do with the original films, mm-hmm. the first two, I see the first two as their own entity and everything else just goes completely yeah. left field. But despite really having nothing to do with that, if this was the first Hellraiser film you have watched, mm-hmm. you ain't going to have a fucking scooby as to what any of it really means. No. Not a fucking Scooby. Not a, okay. no idea. Do you know what this was about? No, absolutely Having watched not. the first, but imagine films. watching this and not knowing who Pinhead was. Who the fuck's that? What's this box? Yes. What does this mean? Why is that happening? Yeah. You would have no idea. Yeah. You'd, you'd switch off, and I was. Do you know what? If it wasn't for this podcast, I would have switched off. Yeah. yeah. If this was just a normal film viewing, I li- I would have said I refuse. Yeah. I'm not watching this anymore. So it's directed by Rick Bota, who yeah. made Hellseeker, uh, Howworld, which we'll be discussing next, LA Doctors. Oh my god, they gave him a second chance after this. Hun, this was his second chance. He made Hellseeker, the last one. Oh. With Ashley Lawrence. Oh. That's why it looks like the exact dear. same film. Oh lord. Ali <laughs> Doctors, The Vampire Diaries, Supernatural, Unforgettable, etc., etc. And he's a cinematographer for Lethal Weapon 4. Teaching Mrs. Tingle, Ooh. Deadly Medicine, Blood Fist Free, Forced to Fight, Barbed Wire, Valentine, House on Haunted Hill remake, and more. Which makes no sense as to why this film looks so shit if he's a professional cinematographer. I'm assuming those films had a much larger budget. <laughs> well, this was filmed uh, simultaneously with How Razor How World uh, in October through December of 2002, but both weren't released until 2005. Oh, so they were filmed in 2002? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. It's kind of interesting with some of the Saw um Well, parallels. it's not... I was getting... And we'll go a little more into it. But I was getting hostile. Yeah. This isn't torture port. I mean, Hellraiser in itself is torture port. Really? Well, I mean, literally. To a, literally. <laughs> um... But, yeah, I'm surprised that it was before Saw and Hostel. Not in the torture porn, because it's not the goriest film on the planet and just kind of throws back to the series. Mm. But in terms of the potential xenophobia... 
Yeah. On, you know, and that kind of trying to be um, Seven. Yeah. Or the look of Seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. It was written by Neil Marshall Stevens, who wrote Frankenstein Reborn, the 13 Ghosts remake, Ooh. Monsters, Hybrid, Demonic Toys 2, Mystery Monsters, Head of the Family, The Creeps, Curse of the Puppet Master, Retro Puppet Master, and more. And also co-written by Tim Day, uh, who only did uh, the last Hellraiser film, a short film called Roulette, and an episode of Seattle Grace, Message of Hope. <laughs> now, this might surprise you. Yes. But the original script written by Neil Marshall Stevens had nothing to do with Hellraiser or the mythos surrounding Hellraiser. This seems to be the story for the last film as well, isn't yeah. it? But when it was decided that this would be a Hellraiser sequel, Tim Day drastically rewrote the script, including an almost new, entirely new third act and plot and making the character of Winter a descendant of the toy maker, uh, Lamarckand from Hellraiser Bloodlines. Yes. Um, I'm just going to say this now. And, you know, by the end of the episode, I'm, I'm sure it will still count. Hellraiser is the worst horror franchise. It is. Yeah. And whoa, I whoa, 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 finished... whoa, whoa. Hang on. So you're saying you think Paranormal Activity is better than... Yes. Yeah. Okay. We'll yeah. Take that. In, we'll in take terms that. of consistency, <laughs> Hellraiser has the higher high... Yeah. But also has so many more lower lows. It's true. It's true. It's... I've never known a franchise to have so many bad films in a row. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I I am a fan of, of Paranormal Activity. Um, So, I mean, for me, really, the last two are the, the highest streak of bad films. Um, What other franchises have streaks of bad films? I mean... As much as this. Yeah. This is ridiculous. As much I mean, as Halloween gets a bad rep, it's only really part six that should Five and six, yeah. There's two films. And, oh, yeah, and Resurrection. Bad. Oh, and Resurrection. But, oh. but they're not as bad as the... Mm, I, I mean, if you, if you Maybe count... a little more count. If you count Resurrection, Rob Zombie's Halloween, and Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, then that's a free film streak. This has three, four, five, six, seven, eight... Nine and I haven't seen ten yet, but I'm gonna bet that ten is probably on it. That is awful. That is bad. That is so many bad films. You could never binge this franchise for fun. No, <laughs> no, that is very true. But the, I mean, the first two films are two of the best horror films ever made, and the remake is great as well. You know, it's, it's just everything in the middle of the hat. Yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. Um, of course, all three of today's films are based on characters created by gay icon and horror legend Clive Barker. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was probably lucky that the Weinstein's banned him from having anything to do with his piece of shit films. <laughs> I'm assuming he's still got a check through the post. I don't know. I well, don't it's know. based on his characters. It is based on Unless his characters. he completely sold all of his rights. They basically took... Uh, what was the last one he did um, that he had a big involvement in? I think it was free. Uh, it may have been four though, because I remember it was after one of them was a disaster. They basically just stripped all the rights from him and took over with Miramax and Dimension Films. Slight tangent, yeah. But in the news this week, interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, apparently P Diddy pays Sting five thousand dollars a day, yeah, because he stole 
um, the riff or, or whatever from uh, every breath you take. <laughs> but his song, I can't. What's that's also called every breath. What's it called? The, the one, it's a much better song, and I can't remember the name. Uh, I'm watching... missing, I'll be missing you. Yeah, something like or something that. Or something like yeah. that. But yeah, apparently he's still to this, and will for the rest of his life, wow. pay $5,000 a day. I thought you were going to say P. Diddy and Sting opened up a portal to hell, and some of the soundbites, but... <laughs> it just made me think, that interesting is, yeah. fact for you, you know. I'm not just full of useless film facts. I'm also full of useless music mm, facts thank you. too. But we but yet can't remember <laughs> anything of these. Well, it's it's not surprising. But yeah, I mean, I I'd hope he still gets some sort of money, but I wouldn't bet money on that. I mean, we all know the Weinstein's are massive pieces of shit. Unless and... he made a huge, unless he completely sold all of his rights. Yeah. I don't think he had much choice in the matter. Mm, this is I'm, the thing. Yeah. I'm I mean, not, it's, I don't really, and I don't pretend to really know the legalities of, yeah. of this. Um, so potentially he didn't get a penny for this film. Yeah. They just fucking drove this franchise into the ground. And I, I fully blame the Weinsteins for it. They, they drove this franchise into the ground because every film, you, you read a bit of trivia and it's like, they changed this, they changed that, they changed this. Oh my God. Just let people do their fucking jobs. And it's not like... I can't sit here and say that the original Hellraiser and the premise didn't lend itself to becoming a franchise. Of course. It's absolutely ridiculous. You could have had ten films yeah. based around this premise. Yeah. yeah, probably a little repetitive by the end. But, you you know, if Friday the 13th can have ten films, mm. then Hellraiser could. Oh you God. know, the box travels. Yeah. You know, it's a box. Open the box. Have the same thing. When it tries to overdo it or tries to force what is quintessentially Hellraiser into a completely different film, that's when it doesn't work. And I'm shocked and appalled that this franchise got to 10 films <laughs> really who keeps green 11 now shit? with the remake 11, with the re but the re i don't feel like the remake re remake counts no because the remake for me feels very separate it to does. the rest it does how could this franchise get to 10 <laughs> films how who is putting money into this i honestly i watched the first two films heard that part three was a bit shit and i was like i'm done it's just order a Hellraiser script. Like if you're gonna, because obviously the thing is they want to keep the rights. I don't know why. Well, I don't know why they're so desperate to keep the rights when all they do is just release their shit. It's merchandising, though, isn't it? Yeah, but just order a Hellraiser script. Yeah. If you're desperate to keep making up, order a Hellraiser script. Stop taking random scripts for detective films and putting fucking pin in them. But what you would probably get, and again, I'm, I'm not psychic. This is just my assumption is that they got that script for cheap mm. and then threw Hellraiser into it yeah, in the, you know, hope that some, you know, 13-year-old gay kid who watches every single Thank horror you. film that comes out is going to uh, watch it and spend money on it despite it being crap. Hey, this is a big deal. Two Hellraiser sequels. his fiancé... Many years later, to watch this shit, uh, I swore I'd never watch it again. Spend hours of his life talking about this crap. I swore I'd never watch it again. Here we are doing a podcast episode on it. It was a big deal in two thousand and five. Like, oh my god, two Hellraiser sequels in one year. 
And as someone who was unfamiliar with the franchise, like, oh my god, yeah, this is going to be great. Oh, fucking hell. Um, How World is slightly more fun, though. Slightly more fun. Uh, budget you two million. That. Budget two million dollars for mm. this one, and it was straight to video. See, course. that's the thing, and I, I feel like if someone had written a specific Hellraiser script or screenplay, the budget wouldn't have been two million dollars. No, and they've paid someone a very small amount of money for a screenplay that probably wasn't great to begin with. Mm-hmm. Threw in Hellraiser hoping that there is an audience for it. And there were, I mean, we've still got how many films left in this franchise? You know, it did sell on DVD, on VHS or whatever. And they just continued. Yeah. I would assume that this made them some form of money if it's from merchandising or... What's the go-to Hellraiser? When You know how... When the first um, one, no, in terms of merchandise, of merchandise yeah, oh, I, really? I don't know. I've seen a few Hellraiser three Hell on Earth. Yeah, I've seen a few of those. Um, that I feel does like, make me laugh. Yeah, which is Miramax, so that would make sense. Yeah, that does. It does make me. Which one's the Friday the? F- is it always part seven? Part two gets a lot. Part two, yeah. Part two does get a lot. Rather than part one. But they do seem to stick the Friday the Thirteenth name on it, regardless of what sequel it is. It's mm. always just Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Child's Play is Child's Play 2. It is always Child's Play 2. That does make me laugh. Well, shall we talk about who's in this? Oh, yes. In a section we like to call, Hey, who are you? <laughs> who the fuck are you? Get the fuck out well, of here. You don't here. know Carrie Wurra, who plays Amy Klein? I don't. Uh, iconic journalist, Amy Klein. Um, <laughs> star of Eight-Legged Freaks, Anaconda, Finner, Do It For Uncle Manny. The Hitcher 2, I've been waiting. Sharknado 2, the second one, and more. She loves the sequel. She does. Yeah. Her performance is alarming. I really don't know what she was fucking going for. I haven't said it in a while. Beautiful lady. (laughs) Beautiful, gorgeous. Beautiful gowns. Actually, no, no, no. Let's not Not say that. Not beautiful (laughs) gowns. But I'm sorry, the struggle is real, honey. The, the entire it was, cast. It wasn't good. And I, you know, I understand it's Hellraiser 7. How much energy are you really going to put into it? <laughs> Just not a lot. But, oof. I think give us a little something, hun. Well, do you know who does give us a little something? Who? Doug Bradley in his short screen time <laughs> as Pinhead. I'm, I'm glad he got a good payday. I mean, you know, he, he kept coming back. He I'm got... surprised. I mean, Clive Barker's his friend and... They banned him from having anything to do with these films. Doug Brown was like, well, you know, bitch has got to get that money. I'm, here I am. Do you think he went out for drinks with uh, Clive Barker? Bitched about the wine? I, I hope so. I'd hope so. Uh, of course, Doug Bradley's Pinhead, and he is known for Nightbreed, most of the Hellraiser franchise, Wrong Turn 5, Bloodlines, The Cottage, Book of Blood. Um be honest not that impressive of a filmography but it's his presence it's just him it's Doug Bradley I mean you know I feel like you've just undersold him shown to us no shown to us why he took this role well have you wrong uh, wait, turn five did you see the cottage the cottage with Jennifer Allison and Andy Serkis <laughs> I didn't know no? that is a future Jennifer podcast Allison. Now. Jennifer yeah as in baby Brooks I don't size. care Jennifer Allison Baby, yeah. I don't care. There's two types of gays, isn't there? <laughs> Gary Gary knows her from I remember a Brooks Transvision Vamp cover. 
Okay, and no. I know from Brookside. Uh, we need to watch The Cottage, potentially as a podcast episode. I'm sorry. We need to watch what? The Cottage. The Cottage. Yeah. The Cottage. The Cottage. It, cottage. Is, it is fun. It is. Is that yeah. how they say it in the film? It, it, no, it is. Oh, man, I'm so going cottage. No, it genuinely is. It is so British. It's, it's about cottaging. Yeah. Well, not quite. Oh. Paul Reese plays Winter Lamarckand, who was in. Winter Lamarckand? Chaplin, That's Da Vinci's... That's definitely my drag name. Da Vinci's Demons, Vincent and Theo, Victoria, Absolute Beginners, Marple, Luther from How, Love Lies Bleeding and more. Who did he play in Vincent and Theo? I have no idea. I think he played Vincent van Gogh. Go, Maybe. I think he may have. Um, You know who directed that, don't you? No, I don't. My favourite director, Robert Altman. Really? Yeah. Yeah, nineteen. How did he end up in this? Um, Paul Reese played. Oh, he played Theodore Theo. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. And he accepted this. And he, well, you know. Um, I don't think Vincent and Theo was a huge film. <laughs> Robert Altman, though. It's pretty cool. Simon Kunz plays Charles Richmond. He was in The Parent Trap, Golden Eye. Which one? Uh, the Lindsay Lohan. Oh. Uh, Captain America, the First Avenger, The Cave, Ooh. Sherlock, <gasps> Alan Partridge, Alpha Popper. We recently watched them we in. Did four weddings and a funeral <gasps> and more. Wow. Charles is this character Simon Kunz. He is so camp in this. He's the only bit of camp in this film. You say that he's a bit of camp, but then he's also a ledge. He is, but I'm looking at the camp. I'm taking what I can. Okay. You take what you can. I mean, nothing in this film. <laughs> Our awards section uh, for this episode will be for the three films as a whole to see yes. which one wins what. I'm just going to put it out there right now. This film's winning nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, finally, Mark Warren plays Joey. He was in Wanted, Green Street, Band of Brothers, Land of the Blind, Grange Hill, The Beat. <laughs> the Beat? No, The Bill. The Beat? I was, was looking at the, the next... I was looking at Heartbeat at the same time. Oh my God, was he in The Band? No, the he was not. He, Heartbeat... Beats. Casualty, A Touch of Frost, Bring Me the Head of Mavis Davis, and more. Bring Me the Head of Mavis Davis is such a good title. I really want to watch that film. You don't. It's going to be shit. It's got Jane Horrocks singing it's, in it's it. It's going to be shit. Have you ever seen Little Voice? No. It's so good. Um, and finally, who's your last one? My last one. Well, Mark Warren is one of those that's always on British TV. Yeah. And you recognise his face. Um, but he's he's kind of been in everything. It's def- He's one of those... Famous in the UK kind yeah. of celebrities. Uh, we also have Linda Marlowe as Betty, who played Shirley Carter's mother in EastEnders. Yeah, and her one scene in this. Like... Two. Two. She's at the beginning and the end. So she plays her boss's secretary. Bookended by Shirley Carter's mother. Yeah. Who was also yeah. in Coronation Street as well. He was. He was. Um, so yeah, let's let's get to our first of three feature presentations. Me. You're not the first to say that. 
I was gagged when this started. It said a Stan Winston production. Like, what the fuck are you doing getting involved with a Stan Winston? Mm. Come on. You're better than this. Well, you know, things cost money. You need to make money. Yeah, what have you got out of a $2 million budget? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Straight to DVD. We start in a crack den in London. We do. Um, where we get to see people off their face on crack. And reporter Amy Klein's there. She's taking pictures of them. Uh, and she leaves... And as she's leaving, um, one of the uh, drug dealers in there is like, hey, uh, you want any of this? And she's like, no, thanks. She rewinds her tape recorder. She's like, I've got everything I need. Bitch, what the fuck have you got on there? No one in that place is in a state to talk. What the fuck have you got on that tape recorder? Yeah, let's make something (laughs) very clear right here, right now. If you went to an actual crackdown in London... (laughs) You would not see these kind of people. The conven- <laughs> conventionally attractive drug addicts in that room. Ripped bodies. With like... ripped bodies. I mean, clear skin. Great shape. Their hair's done. <laughs> their make- Fancy clothes. Their, their makeup is snatched. It's, I guess, the, the dilapidated apartment around them. And... <laughs> You know, one of them's smoking from a bong. The others are asleep until Amy wakes up and then just leaves. No, thank you. I make my own destiny. <laughs> no, thanks. I choose my own crack. <laughs> and it's... Uh, it's like, no. No. <laughs> but what has she got on that tape? What has she got on that tape? <laughs> the people sleeping. <laughs> just... <laughs> oh. Do you want some crack? <laughs> But then she goes to her office, picks up a newspaper that has How to Be a Crack Whore by Amy Klein as a big headline. Yeah. <laughs> She's just been to the crack den. Like, how did they write it in no, that amount is, of time? This is part two, the crack's whore sequel. How to Be a Crack Whore. What a headline. And she looks so proud of it. She yeah. is how, so proud. How to Be a Crack Whore 2. <laughs> crack in the habit. Yes. <laughs> And everyone in the office, oh, thanks, Amy. Well, thank you for your contributions. Oh, thanks for getting to that crack then for well, us. Well, no, the guys, the, there's some sort of meeting going on. And uh, she just walks past. I'm not interested in <laughs> Thanks for your contribution, Amy. And then the others, uh, well done. Great article, Amy. And everyone goes, so what did you learn at the crack den? Well, this guy, this sleazy guy, was yeah. like, hey, uh, you want to show me what you learned in the crack den? Oh, whoa, hey. And she's like, oh, yeah, do you want me to show you right here, right yeah. now? Which, I mean, fair play to Amy Klein, because I feel like that's not said enough in films when people flirt with women out of nowhere. Well, I mean, it's 2005, and of course, no office is free of sexual harassment. No. Um, But it, it's kind of played, like, for laughs, because ha, ha, ha. It's 2005. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, things have changed, thankfully, a lot in the almost 20 years since this film came out. Oh, my God. Do you know what this film looks like? What did it remind you of? The the cinematography and the terrible camera work. Season one of RuPaul's Drag Race? No, not quite. Basic Instinct 2. Oh, yeah. This looked a lot like Basic yeah. Instinct 2. Yeah. American slash British yeah. productions made on a tight budget in the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. There we go. Well, she goes to see her boss, Charles, um, and he sends her to Bucharest to investigate a videotape depicting the ritualistic murder and subsequent reanimation 
of a member of a cult calling themselves the Deaders. Now, this sequence is the first time we get to see how bad the camera work is in this film. Ooh. It is like the cameraman has just discovered what the zoom button does. And I have never seen so many zoom-ins in my life. It's like, how cool is this? It's what? constant. Now, we're watching a snuff tape where this woman's getting murdered. Um, and also, the fact that the court are calling themselves the deaders. Shut the fuck up. That's fucking awful. That is terrible. This has the worst title of any film ever made. I, I'll say that right now. Deader. Shut the fuck up. Awful. As bad as Bring Me the Head of Mavis Davis. Absolutely. It's worse. Um, we can already zoom in. Do you realise that well, that's a reference to I it. do, I do. Yeah. I These zoom-ins, I just, I don't get it. And we see the whole tape that of this woman killing herself and coming back to life. Oh for my this God, call. we see the whole But we don't just tape. see the whole tape. We see Amy and Charles and their reactions. And it's so boring. Like, they just look so uninterested the whole time. Do you know what the, Amy's reactions is giving... <laughs> It's given America's Next Top Model acting <laughs> challenge. Um, also, the Deaders, of course, are conventionally attractive too. Yeah. There's not an ugly one in the bunch. But they're all goths. They're all they're all, all alternative. Mid-2000s. Well, Blue Banana. Yeah. Blue Banana, mid-2000s. Um, yeah. I've never known a snuff film to have so many edits and so many... Oh, my God. Zoom ins, it's very well made. Like, it's one person with a cam recorder, yeah. and yet somehow we get a thousand different angles and different edits. Mm. <laughs> and it's it, it's making me dizzy. After it finishes, well, after it finishes, and they're like, and he's like, oh yeah, you got to go to Bucharest to go figure this out. She's like, oh, Romania, and he's like, yeah, it's uh, where all the sleazy Euro trash kids are heading for a good time these days. Amsterdam is so 90s. <laughs> yeah, which... I mean, that's what I felt was, like, hostile. Yeah. The idea is that this film, you know, isn't um, Eastern Europe so creepy. Mm -hmm. Isn't it scary? Yeah. That kind of xenophobia, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy tracks down the return address of the tape and discovers uh, lots of photographs from an edgy photo shoot with the Deaders. An envelope saying helpers. Yeah. And the corpse of the tape sender, Marla, hanging whilst on the toilet and holding a lament configuration. Now, let me tell you this. They, a big part of that $2 million must have went on this corpse and the makeup. Oh my God, they so They show it so many fucking times. So proud. I get what they're trying to do. I get they're trying to build suspense, but when the film is as shit as this and the direction is so bad, mm. there's no suspense there. No. So what you're actually looking at is constant close-ups of this corpse's face for no reason. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I've got a few things to say about this scene. Um, Amy looks like she wants to be woken up inside after sleeping for a thousand years, it seems. And if you get that reference, you're too old. <laughs> okay, uh, pigtails. Amy Lee would never be seen she dead. Would. With those. She's giving she Amy would Lee not. the house down boots. Um, question: Why is the fridge the first place she looks in? <laughs> she enters this apartment and she opens the fridge. Um, she finds the corpse hanging from the shower rail and then goes to the wardrobe for some reason. 
before finding a lot of evidence in the bedside table and then going back and finding the package very inconveniently placed behind the dead body. So then she has to struggle to grab the dead body. She doesn't want to touch the dead body, which is when we get so many close-ups of the dead body. Oh, way, way, way too much time is spent on this scene. I don't know why every scene in this film goes on so long. It's like they were really struggling to get to an hour and a half. And because they're really struggling to get any scares into this film, because I don't think it was originally written as a horror film, the corpse lunges at Amy before she leaves. <laughs> Stop screaming. The corpse starts screaming. <laughs> oh, cheap, cheap jump scare. Um, it renders what happened before completely confusing <laughs> and maybe pointless. Because she's there and she's struggling to reach. She's like right in this corpse's face, and it's only as she's leaving the corpse lunges. It's like the corpse is waiting all that time, like, oh, okay, I'll get her in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa! Why didn't she just turn around and pick it up and go, there you go, love? That's what you're looking for. Like, get the fuck out of my face. She literally removes the lament configuration from her hands. Yeah. And then she lunges. Like, what's the fucking point? Um, as Amy runs out, she assaults the landlord. <laughs> Him in the balls. He rightfully questions what's happening, <laughs> and so she kicks him in the balls, which is okay because he's conventionally unattractive. <laughs> so it's it's all right. He's um, on the larger side and hairy, and so therefore a kick in the balls isn't anything. To yeah. yeah, he deserves it. Let the attractive woman get through after <laughs> corpse discovered in the <laughs> apartment. She returns to her hotel and watches the tape in the help me envelope, uh, which is Marla. And she's like, oh my God, whatever you do, don't open that box. Go to the subway station, speak to Joey. He'll help you find your way. Just just don't open the box, whatever you do. Oh my God, I've just realised. What? They sat there and they were like, well, how are we going to make it like a Hellraiser film? Like, Do we need any references? It's nothing like the other films. Like, right, help me. On the envelope. Oh, Not I... help me, I'm in hell. Just write help me in red. And uh, people would go, oh, that's like part two. And Joey was also the name of the sleazy guy in part three as well. Really? Um, so, yeah. Who the fuck remembers that? Me. Um... <laughs> All I remember from part three is the CDs. <laughs> um, yeah, so she... She sits there, she watches this table, this woman clearly saying, do not open this box. And she's like, she checks her skin, she's like, yeah, I'm white. I'm a, I'm a woman in a horror film. I'm a white woman in a horror film. Let's open this fucking box. Is, does she actually say, don't she open She literally the says box. the exact words, do not open that box. Because I questioned myself and questioned my memory. Because when, she, when Amy does say, don't open it, open what? <laughs> like, so did she say don't open the box she said the words don't or open the box or did she say just don't open no it. she said don't open the box and she literally looks at the box and says wait open what oh <laughs> what the, wow. the box sitting right in front of you <laughs> this film is so fucking insulting to women it's insulting to the human race actually no one's as stupid um yeah she opens also, it obviously it's also insulting to CGI I <laughs> She opens the box, does not take much effort to open it. She just presses down on it and it opens. Um, I'm sure there's a little more effort in the original films, but she opens it up. Um, yeah, in half these films, the box just kind of opens itself. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I just can't be asked to wait. Yeah. 
Like, oh, this is an interesting puzzle. It's like a Rubik's Cube, <laughs> but it just kind of does it. It's like, oh, that's boring. Yeah, so this triggers an apparent dream in which CGI chains attach themselves to her face and Pinhead appears and says, Don't think for a moment you are not in danger. I mean, no, of course she didn't think that. She just went to Romania, which she was told is full of sleazy Eurotrash people. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, Pinhead? Sometimes it's okay to just not say anything. It's fine. But if this is the first... Oh, oh he talks so much shit in this film. <laughs> but imagine this is the first Hellraiser film you've watched. You've picked it up. Because that's what sequels are meant to do. I don't to have do. to imagine it, I know. Sequels want to get new people into film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been how long since the first film? Yeah. You watch a sequel, so you'd sit there and be like, who the fuck is that? What? Yeah, but he's on all the marketing. Like, Doug Bradley in all these sequels, it is his face on all the posters, despite the fact that he's in them for, like, fucking two minutes. Yeah. But if you watch something like Aliens... Yeah. you And I did. I watched Aliens before I watched Alien. And I didn't sit there being like, what the fuck is going on? Mm. Oh, what's this? Like, you would. You would sit there and be like, what? Yeah. Um, but he appears, and, and it's a dream, and this makes no sense. because oh. And it's something that happens in Inferno and Hellseeker as well. What is with all the dream sequences? The Cenobites are real in these films. The first four films, they're in the real world uh, once you summon them, and they'll fucking rip you to pieces. That's oh. it. In, this, in these films, it's like, oh, what a, what a weird dream that was. Why? Why is it all dream sequences? It's not... It's, this isn't a Nightmare on Elm Street. This is Hellraiser. Yeah. And Hellraiser came out after Nightmare on Elm yeah. Street. It's not even influenced by that. So I don't know why so many dream sequences. And, you know... And she's there screaming, wake me up, wake me up inside, Spo- save me. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Between 20 to 30 minutes of this film is dedicated to a prolonged dream sequence. I shit you not. Yeah, but the, you could say that about The Wizard of Oz, honey. Yeah. We're not talking about The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> this has no reason. This film has no reason to have a dream sequence go on for almost half the fucking film's run. There has time. to be. There has to be someone on Letterboxd who gave The Wizard of Oz one star because it was all a dream. Is that well, that's a waste of my time? It was Spoiler. all a dream. Oh, bitch, if you haven't seen Wizard of Oz, Pause. Pause now and go and watch it. Well, Amy goes to the subway station in a bizarre series of events, delving into Bucharest's subculture. Duh! Supposedly. And meets Aren't Joey. Eastern Europeans weird? <laughs> she meets Joey, who warns her about the deaders and notices that Amy <laughs> has a fucked up self-destructive thing going on. Uh, the train is a fucking nightmare. It is full of punks, lesbians... Naked people and people doing tattoos despite being on a moving train. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, I... There must be some awful tattoos. <laughs> I mean, imagine if you were just a casual person needing to get a train to somewhere in Bucharest and you get on this train. Yeah. Um, sorry, wrong train. <laughs> I don't... Also, I feel like it goes in the opposite direction to the other trains. Cause it uh, does. When she goes gets off, there's a train that pulls up from yeah. the other side. So is this meant to be some sort of because it's not explained in the film? Of course but not. Is this not meant to be real? No, this is a real train. This is the subculture of Bucharest. But these are these meant to be real people, or is this not a dream sequence? But that kind of because she's opened the box by this point, and then 
it's referred, spoiler alert, it's referred to later, where you're just a pawn in Winter's game, and Winter has created all these dream sequences, mm. and this, that, and the other. So was this, was this train not real? I don't know, I mean, there's, it's never really, it's never explained. No, it's not. So, I mean, I've got no reason to believe that this is actually a train. A train. That goes around Bucharest. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, also, just the amount of people looking bored on there. It's like, <laughs> oh, all this, you know, toplessness and... Um, all lesbians, aren't they? So edgy. And we get a random cock as well, don't we? We do. Uh, just walking around with his willy hanging out, which is why we have to have the women making out yeah. topless because the target audience may think it's a bit gay. Yeah. It's just seeing a penis. Uh-huh. So we're like, oh, uh, we better sort of... Oh, here's lesbians. That. Here's Everyone some, likes them. Here's some lesbians. Uh, straight men watching this film will love that. Yeah. Yes. Amy gets off the train and uh, a man looking like Budget Carl McLaughlin walks towards her in slow motion uh, before jumping in front of a train. And the police show up, but his corpse has disappeared. She spots him again getting on the train and goes after him. And for some reason, the police arrest her for going after him. <laughs> yeah, for kind of make Because there's the woman, isn't there? Where is he? Where is he? Where is this man? Uh, she's shouting <laughs> across the uh, station. Um, This guy, this Carl McLaughlin type, it's as if he's actively trying to make his head look weird with that haircut. I fucking hate that haircut. Bouncing in the breeze. He's walking in slow motion. Obviously quite long. It's it's a Karma Clocklin sort of hair. Yeah. The kind of Karma Clocklin um there's a ve- now. Evil actually. Cooper in there. Karma Clocklin, yeah, evil Cooper, yeah. <laughs> But it's actively trying to make his forehead look huge, and it's, I hate it. <laughs> well, um, she's taken to the police station, and Charles shows up, and he's like, oh, you're lucky having a boss like me. Once again, I have saved your small, but relatively shapely behind. <laughs> Actually, there's a few people that refer to her um, They backside. do, they do. Joey does, is it Joey? Yeah. yeah. He does it as well, without being asked. Um... Amy pursues some leads and ultimately tracks down Winter Lamarckand, the leader of the cult and the guy who jumped in front of a train. Yes. He's got some small hoop energy going on. His fucking <laughs> ugly earrings. Yeah, it's not a good look for him, bless it's not. him. It's not. Winter, as a descendant of the toy maker who designed the puzzle box, believes he is destined to access the realm of the Cenobites and become their master. Oh. Unable to open the box himself, Winter believes that only an individual exhibiting trauma-induced nihilism can open the box. To this end, he founded the Deaders and attracted emotionally vulnerable followers so that he could kill them and reanimate them. That is a lot of effort. I mean, come on, have you not got a day job? Yeah. <laughs> Who gets the time to do all of that? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um... Yeah, I literally just hope blah, blah, blah. Just It's just talking shit. In connection to Bloodlines, uh, you said that, you know, these films aren't connected. There we go. Yeah, it's very forced. <laughs> and uh, it's like Amy Klein. She's like, you know me. <laughs> I chose you. <laughs> oh, I mean, that sounds okay. Yeah. It sounds it, but really it's just blah, blah, blah. Um, Nihilist... 
you know, are they? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to like trauma-induced nihilists. Um, the the guys in the court. We know that she is by the end of the film, but the guys in the court, like, oh, they just alternative. <laughs> like we don't really get their story, and then. Joey, he's part of it later on, and it's like yeah, just throwing shit out there and hoping it sticks. Well, this is when he introduces her to the cult, um, resulting in her experiencing an extended waking dream, in which she relives her father's physical and sexual abuse and her subsequent murder of him as a child. Now, I mean, first of all, I don't, you, you know what we're gonna say, really, really, yeah, really, not this is straight to video how raise a film. What yeah. are you doing? Um, also, this is the sequence I was on about. This goes on forever. And all the little sequences within this sequence go on for so long. And it is honestly the best example of the terrible editing and camera work. Because it just, it's just ridiculous at this point. It starts off with a very long sequence of Amy screaming at herself in the mirror, trying to remove a knife from her back. Yeah, she wakes up in just a shirt and her knickers with a knife in her bag that's kind of protruded out the front as well. Um, She's in the bathroom, she's covered in blood, she's screaming, isn't she? Yeah. Um, she's has flashes of her father's abuse and it's in a sort of sepia tone <laughs> and kind of... Oh, what's that effect? Like, you know when it's raining and you're looking out the window? Yeah, I know it's, what you mean. It's, it's a streaky yeah. effect. It's like, like oh, isn't this old? <laughs> like she's a hundred years old or something. <laughs> um, Pinhead shows up in the dream. Mm. Um, just says Pinhead type stuff. Like, I am the way. And then like, like oh, that, that winter, he's a bit of an arsehole, isn't he? And stuff like that. Yeah, it's like, this isn't my handiwork. This is winter, and you've been recruited in winter's war. Ask yourself, when you're undressed, wading in a pool of your own blood, ask yourself, why do I feel no pain? Um, She denies all this and throws a lamp at him. Sounding more like Hallinger. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just like, anyway, that happened. Uh, gets dressed, wraps a towel around the knife wound, um, and then constantly Oh, she put reminds some tape on as well. Then, she just yeah. put some tape on it. And it constantly reminds us that she has the towel there. Like, I mean, as we're going as she's oh. going out of the out of her apartment and go into the subway, she keeps stopping and lifting her shirt up. Like, yeah, we fucking know. We know it's there. She's trying not to show I don't know why. I don't know why she's trying not to show that she's bleeding <laughs> from the chest wound. But she's trying to hide it. So she's got this jacket. And then she keeps opening the jacket and looking down. <laughs> and she's wearing a white t-shirt. But she keeps doing it. And and when I say keeps doing it, I didn't keep count. <laughs> but I swear it must have been at least ten times for, in this yeah. film. Where she's... This sequence where uh -huh. she opens the jacket and looks down. Even though she's trying to be inconspicuous. It's absolutely. It's like having an embarrassing reaction, uh, erection. Yeah. And pulling your trousers down <laughs> to show. It's highly illegal and don't do it. But still. Yeah, it's, it's like it you're no bringing sense. attention to it. She goes to Joey's sleaze train again. Um, shows him the knife wound. Yeah, 
she gets it out for him as well. She's like, look, look at this, look. Yeah, look, I have this blood. And she asks him for help, but he tells her they're all just pieces in Winter's puzzle and says, you know what our biggest problem is? Neither of us know when to get off the fucking train. <laughs> and then suddenly everyone on the train is dead. Um, Which is all... why I think that the train wasn't real, but I wish I'd explained that. That it's in her dream sequence, isn't he it? Say, he says... Oh, forget! <laughs> what accent did you do? Are you do? Are you giving Cockney accent? Cockney. Forget about the facts. Forget about reality. Just sit back and enjoy the ride. <laughs> We're just pieces in Winter's puzzle. Um, but yet yeah, everyone who's dead on the train, mm. they're hung up with chains, and it's like, okay, so if the Cenobites aren't responsible for this, why are they hung up with chains? <laughs> Tina Arena. Um, Marla shows up. They get off the train, and guess what she does? She shows her the knife wound. Look, look what I've got. This is what's happened to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, and everyone on the train is dead, and including the topless women. And this film does have a thing with... Because you see, obviously, when uh, Amy woke up, her shirt was open. Mm-hmm. So you do see her topless, basically. You see her breasts, and they're covered in blood. And then in this scene, the breasts are covered in blood. And it's like, what... People get off on that, I think. Um, I mean, if this film had any sort of respect for Clive Barker, I'd say I understand because his whole thing is obviously, you know, uh, S and M. But it feels and... it feels cheap though. It's yeah. kind of a cheap. Here are some boobs. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. This film has no respect for Clive Barker. Clive Barker was not in their minds when they chose all this nudity. No, no way. Um. Amy watches her cell. Uh, she goes to uh, a psychiatric hospital. Uh, a child draws a scary picture. Of course for she her. does. Of course she ends up in an <laughs> asylum. The more I think about this, the more I do think this is a Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff. Yeah. The more, it, which in two thousand and five is absolutely fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe this is a Freddy versus Jet. Oh my god, it's Freddy versus Freddy Jason. Versus Je- no, it was filmed the year before. Two thousand two. Oh yeah, of course it was. Yeah. Oh my god, groundbreaking. Um, yeah, she's in a psychiatric hospital. The child draws a scary picture. Merla watches some cartoons. And then Amy watches herself as a child uh, stab her father, which causes her to be stabbed again for some reason. To give her something else to go on about for the next fucking hour. <laughs> then she comes back to the living world. What I don't understand is everything that Marla's told her is what Pinhead's already told her. Yeah. And she threw a lamp at him. So uh-huh. why hasn't she thrown a lamp at Marla? <laughs> She comes back to the living world and she's back in the courtroom um, and she successfully opens the lament configuration by throwing it across the room. But before she does that, they tell her to stab herself and she's like, I don't think so. And then when she throws the box, she's like, go to hell. (laughs) Pinhead uh, are two half-ass Cenobites. Like, there's nothing exciting about these Cenobites whatsoever, to tell you. It's they, not good girls. They it's not. They look like they were put together last minute. Yeah. yeah. Um, they show up. The library is open. And Pinhead reads Winter and his family to filth. Kind of. Yeah. The girl, that fucking hair, nose hoops. <laughs> um, Carl Clarkson called. Wants his look back. <laughs> Uh, he denies that any mortal could ever control the Cenobites. Uh, he proceeds to slaughter Winter and the Deaders with his hooks and chains. 
before indicating to Amy that she is now indebted to them by opening the box. The thing is with Winter's death is that it's virtually the same it's the Frank as death. Frank's death in the first film. Yeah. Which in nine and it's actually kind of the effects aren't terrible. They're not the best. They're no. not it's not as cool as the first film, but it is kind of by the seventh film, we've seen this. Okay. We've seen this so many times as well. Exactly. Every one of these shitty sequels ends with someone getting the same fucking death. Yeah. 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 Um and yeah, he's he says uh, that she has to go with them now. Her father has been waiting for her in Hal. Um, Which is really below the belt. It is. That wasn't yeah. cool. It's like, come on, Pinhead. No, no, when you're going too far. You know, we we all like to read, but that's 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 too low. Too low. Rather than be taken, Amy kills herself, resulting in the box closing, sending out an electrical charge that banishes the Cenobites back to Hal again, and causes the Deaders compound compound to explode. And when she does this, Pinhead. Gives his best start Vader in Revenge of the Sith. He's like, no! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's make something clear right here, right now. Everything in this film was completely pointless. Yeah. She opened the box very early on in the film. Yeah. Why didn't Pinhead just kill everyone then? Don't even get me started. That scene where um, after he kills all of the deaders... She's literally there holding a knife up to him and he talks shit to her for about five minutes, just constantly going on, rambling on, saying stereotypical pinhead things. Oh my God, bitch, just kill her. Yeah. You've literally just shown us you can murder people within seconds. Just do it. Yeah. Like you could have killed her and all of this would have been, you wouldn't have been banished back to hell. Why didn't he just kill Winter at the beginning? Yeah. If her opening the box brought them into the real world and his sole purpose was to kill slash stop Winter, why didn't he just do it? So many of these films are literally just Pinhead just waiting around to murder people. Just just do it. This is why the film had to have an extended pointless dream (laughs) sequence to actually pad out the time. Because nothing else really mattered mm-hmm. it could have been over like that yeah oh I fucking hate this later uh, Charles unaware of Amy's whereabouts assigns a new female journalist to investigate the tape and the film ends with a reporter holding up the puzzle box which has been recovered from the destroyed compound <gasps> yeah but no one else has been found um he annoyingly does use the, which made me laugh a little bit. He does use the phrase "see no Amy, hear no Amy." <laughs> Why I don't know. It's, yeah. Um, and that that's it. That's the end. That is how raise a dead That was fucking awful. I hate 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 films that render seventy five percent of the whole fucking thing completely yeah. pointless. Mm-hmm. Because it ain't saying anything. No. It ain't doing anything. It's bringing nothing new to the game. It's the same old shit. Yeah. And then by the end of it, you're like, so he could have just done this all uh-huh. in early on. Yeah. Like, what is the point? Complete waste of a sequel. Complete waste oh. of a production. I don't know why this was made. And there's some talent there that's completely wasted. Yeah. 
really just awful all round. I hated it. It was a painful yeah. experience. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's just it's. I'd say it's one of the worst. But come on, I mean, this might be the worst. It probably it so worse. far. Remember well, struggling to remember some of the previous films. So far, this is the worst yeah. one because it just. It felt like my time was wasted. I got no enjoyment out of it. Mm. There was no camp. There was no so bad it's good moments. Um, there was nothing memorable at all. No. And I can assure you, if a year from this day, you turn around and ask me anything about this film, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. I cannot remember. Well, for ratings, I give it one edgy lesbian punk train journey through Bucharest out of ten. <laughs> I gave it one jacket being opened again and again and again and again <laughs> out of ten. Uh, Masterpiece, trash, be trash or basic? I give it trash. It's trash. It's really basic as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's trash shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you want to put yourself through it, it's available on video on demand and DVD. Uh, and if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Midnight Meat Train, a much better Clyde Barker film. Absolutely. With a train, you know. <laughs> um, if you like reporters putting themselves in danger, then watch Candyman. Yeah. Because Virginia Madsen gives one heck of a performance compared to this shit. She does. But yeah, Candyman, of course. Both Clyde Barker. Yeah. Adaptations. So next up we have Hellraiser, Howworld. From 2005 again. And also filmed in 2002. And this time, unlike Dead, I mean, I, I suppose there's a few things in Dead that make it obvious it's 2002. But this time around, we get a little bit of uh, post screamness about it. We do. Um, it was filmed back to back. It was filmed because they were con con contractually obligated to film the two films in Romania. Yeah. This isn't set in Romania as far as no. I know. But yeah, they were kind of forced to make two films and they're like, well, it's been popular recently. Oh, scream. Yeah. For it. Yeah, directed yet again by Rick Bota. He's back, back, back again. And put a little more effort in this time. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why. He, he got into his groove, didn't he? He did. He was like, oh, let's go for it. Yeah, yeah. Written by Carl Dupre, who wrote Bone Chillers, Detroit Rock City, The Prophecy Free, Broke Even, Strange Frequency 1 and 2, How Seeker, and Incubus. Uh, he's also the assistant editor on Scream 2, Mimic, Evita, Barb Wire, Top Dog, Leprechaun 2, Blood Fist 4, Die Trying, Skinner, and more. And based on the story by Joel Soison, who wrote Piranha 3 Double D, Cam to Cam, Children of the Corn Genesis and Runaway, Hollow Man 2, Pulse 2 and 3, Dracula 2000 Trilogy, and more. Oh, wow. He was also a producer on Avenging Angel, oh. A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, The Boys Next Door, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Modern Love, Maniac Cop 3, and more. Right. Now... They have the same bit of trivia for this film and the next film. This is supposedly the first original script since Hellraiser Bloodline, written for the Hellraiser series. And it's based on a short story called Dark Can't Breathe by Joel Soison. So, having seen both, 
which do you believe was actually the first Hellraiser script since Hellraiser 4? I think Revelations. I, think... <laughs> I don't think this was... The short story, I don't believe, is a Hellraiser no. short story. What I, what I don't understand is if they knew they were going to make two films back to back. Yeah. Why have them so completely unconnected to I know, other? I know. They're two separate standalone films that happen to have Hellraiser involved in some way. And it, in both cases, it feels forced. Even more so in this one. Yeah, so this uh, is the Hellraiser franchise's new nightmare. Mm. This is, uh, again, very post-Scream, meta, teen film, teen loosely. Um, yeah, budget, $3 million, okay. extra $1 million compared to uh, the last one, and straight to video, of course, and uh, interesting bit of trivia, it has a record setting of 92 instances of product placement of a single product. Do you know what that product is? Uh, I'm going to say the Nokia 3310. It is indeed. I did clock how many times the Nokia 3310 was used. Like, released in 2005, and the Nokia 3310 is used so many times. Is that not... Too, that would that would have been 2005. Would it? Yeah. This, uh, this was filmed in 2002. 2002, excuse me. Yeah. It definitely would have been 2002. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this was released in 2005. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? I keep forgetting that fact. How <laughs> stupid. Uh, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, it's very 2002, but yeah, maybe by 2005, Nokia would have moved on a little bit. Yeah. Whatever happened to Nokia? Do we, I, I have no idea. They don't phones anymore, do they? I, I don't think so. Oh. Should we talk about who's in this? Oh, yeah, in a little section we like to call, hey, haven't you Superman? Hey, <laughs> I know you. <laughs> uh, Lance Henriksen uh, plays the host in this. Of course, genre icon from Aliens, Alien vs. Predator... Hard Target, The Quick and the Dead, The Terminator, Pumpkinhead, Scream Free, Dog Day Afternoon, Network, Near Dark. It goes on and on. With uh, Piranha 2. At the rap party, a life-size pinhead piñata was given to Lance Henriksen. And he had to throw it out because he's allergic to chocolate. Oh. It's at the party. Why didn't he just break it? It was a gift. Yeah, but why didn't but he'd be like, I'm allergic to chocolate. Oh, then why don't you just do it now and everyone else can enjoy the chocolate? Uh, Lance Henriksen, rocking uh, that small hoop energy. Yeah, rocking the small hoop energy and just playing Lance Henriksen. <laughs> With all due respect, he's very prolific, but in every film, it's like, oh, that's Lance Henriksen. Apart from Pumpkinhead, where he actually puts in a fantastic performance, he is just uh, playing. Aliens. Aliens as well, yeah. Aliens, he puts in a great performance. He does. But in everything else I've seen him in... Oh, that's, that's Lance Henriksen. <laughs> Done. Okay. Who's he playing? Lance Henriksen. He hasn't even got a name in it. The host. The host. <laughs> I just refer to him in my notes as Lance Henriksen. Because that's the only way I feel. With, with a little hoop earring. <laughs> Christopher Jackup plays Jake. He was in Possessor, Slasher, Go in the Distance, A Town Called Eureka... When Sparks Fly, Saving Hope, Catch a Christmas Star, Kill a Hair, and more. Catch a Christmas Star. Oh. That sounds definitely like a podcast film. Catherine Winnick plays Chelsea. Uh, she was in Vikings, The Dark Tower, Stand Up Guys, Killers, Fifty First Dates, Amusement, Satan's Little Helper, Stripped, 
Love and Other Drugs, and more. Right. I'm assuming small with roles in this. Um, I think she was Love one of the... Love and Other Drugs, isn't that Anne Hathaway? Yeah. Wasn't that, there were two very similar films that came out at the same time, based around... There were, yeah. Um, friends with Benefits falling mm-hmm. for each other. Yeah. And that was the one with Anne Hathaway and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. I think she was one of the leads in Amusement, if I remember right. Um, What's Amusement? Yeah, you know, just a generic horror film from the 2000s. Um, Sounds like your kind of thing. Carrie Payton plays Derek. He was in The Walking Dead. He was Cyborg in Teen Titans Go. Astronaut, The Last Push, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And many more, including very, very recently, The Penguin King in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Nice. And finally, the one you're all waiting for. Yes. Anyone who remembers this film. <laughs> yes. Henry Cavill is in this as Mike. And of course, the star of Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Justice League, Mission Impossible Fallout, The Witcher, Blood Creek, The Tudors, Immortals, The Man from Uncle, and more. Massive star now. He's, you know, he's Superman. He's a massive star. Uh, and like many other massive stars, he uh, got a start in horror. I love it. I love to see it. Yeah, I really do. It's it's high camp. When like uh, I wouldn't say he's a list now. I don't know. I would. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when an a list, according to Gary, star is in these cheapo little horror films from back in the day, I love it. <laughs> it is, and that's the problem now. It's all elevated horror. That is not a problem. I'm sorry. Do you want films like How Raise a Hell World I again? I want to see Tony Collette <laughs> in a little horror film. I don't want Hereditary. No. Okay. I loved it and I loved her in it. But I don't think we're going to get this now. Do you? Midsummer absolutely launched Florence Pugh's career. Yeah, no. And that's what I mean. It's yeah. a great film. That, oh, yeah. I see what and you mean. And it's a great performance. There's no shit films with rising stars. And that's yeah. the thing. But it's, how do we know? It's high camp. How do we know? We may do. I like, mean, the shit films now. No one thought Henry Cavill from How Raised How World was going to be Superman. No, that's true. So, uh, I don't know. I'm still holding out hope. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think. Well, yeah, I suppose so. One of these shit films we watch at Fright Fest. One of the stars is going to go on to be the next Henry Cavill. <laughs> okay. uh, and of course, Doug Bradley's back as Pinhead. And in his final role as Pinhead. Yes. Glad to see he completely wasted it. <laughs> Let's... I, don't, I don't... I think if you went through the Hellraiser films and you divided... And he, he obviously earned it because he does a fantastic performance as... But if you looked at what he get paid, he got paid for yeah. a minute. Mm-hmm. You were like, oh, <laughs> he's him. throughout the whole franchise. His screen time, I swear, it doesn't add up to an hour. It won't. No. Like even though he's in Hellraiser three quite a lot, the other films make up for. It. He's hardly in him at really? all. Even the first one. But I don't. He was never the focal point. He of wasn't. The first no. One. Butterball was meant to be the leader of the Cenobites. Yeah. But Pinhead caught on. Pinhead wasn't even his name originally, and then. You know, it was a little joke on set. Ended up being his name, and he was the face of the franchise for every film up until this one. But mm-hmm. he's never the focal point of any of the film, and I don't get it. I don't because they should use him. It's it is a waste. You look at someone like Freddy Krueger. Mm. His screen time in the first film isn't gigantic. No. 
but he becomes a focal point and people hate it um when he becomes the wise cracking freddy krueger i actually quite enjoyed that yeah play into the camp yeah if you're on hellraiser eight this is the eighth film yeah you're not going to make a masterpiece mm-hmm. so just play into it play into the camp and make pinhead your focal point yeah make doug bradley yeah earn that way no, yeah of course well. he did but you know make him the focal point well, he is in this one a little more. Mm. Um, let's let's talk about our second feature presentation. I'm going to a real live secret hell world party. <laughs> Welcome, Hellraisers. Invitations. Ah! But if you need anything, just scream. Start with a shirtless man doing some digging and screaming. Yeah, yeah, that's a way to get people invested. Uh, a group and of that's it. <laughs> a group of young people are addicted to playing an online computer game called How World, which is based on the Hellraiser series. Yes, the films exist and they've been turned into an RPG game in, uh, in this film. Some form of game. I, I don't really know. It's not apparent what kind of game Hellworld is. No. It's seemingly one that you can play for years on end and become addicted to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But isn't like Fortnite or anything like that. Yeah, Adam was so obsessed with this game that he ultimately committed suicide after becoming too immersed in it. Now, do you know what? A Hellraiser game, a Hellraiser being in the real world, not a terrible premise. And... The fact that someone, you know, someone could find the lament configuration and then realize it's real and it, it lends itself to a good film. Yeah. And I will say this right now before we carry on talking about it. I don't feel I don't think this film is terrible. It's not a good film. But when it comes to the Hellraiser sequels, this is entertainment, which is something you don't get in a lot of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. If this film was part of any other franchise, I would say this is the worst. This is awful. Yeah. This is terrible. But... In terms of Hellraiser, yeah, um, it's not actually the worst. There's it's some redeeming qualities like here. No, no, there's, there's some redeeming qualities here. Shocking, young, kind of, kind of. You know, it doesn't make it good at all. But if I was, if anyone said to me, you have to pick a Hellraiser film to rewatch after three, you, it has to be any of those. I would pick this one. Yeah, I suppose so. Yes. Um, at the funeral, the remaining five friends blame themselves for not having prevented Adam's suicide. Chelsea walks to the coffin, and Adam reaches out and grabs her hand in what is, you guessed it, a dream sequence. Yeah, this is it an old man in the, or like, Adam's corpse? Adam's corpse really... burnt. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is it burnt? Yeah. Okay, so I suppose that makes sense. As to how he killed himself. Uh-huh. He didn't just kill himself digging a hole no. too long. Um, yeah. D- the problem is, the film opens with them looking very sad at a funeral. <laughs> After all the information we've been given is a shirtless man digging a hole. <laughs> so, you kind of like... I know they're sad, 
but I, I haven't got a connection to this no. yet because I don't know who they're sad for, why, <laughs> why they're sad, um, who they are, who he was. Like, I don't care. No. No. Uh, it's two years after the funeral and Mike knocks on her door just after she wakes up. Mike, played by Henry Cavill, uh, and he's wearing a chatterer mask. He is. Uh, and she says... She's not being fooled, though, is she? No, they have a brief chat about it. She's like, Mike, Cenobites aren't real, and even if they were, I wouldn't open the lament configuration anyways, which we all know isn't real. It's like, okay, thank you. We, so we know where we're at now, then. It, the films exist, but um, <laughs> it isn't real. I definitely think Dimension Films thought they'd bought the rights to Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> like, oh my God, we've got such great scripts. There's so many great dream sequences. <laughs> And they went into the meeting, signed the paperwork, and were like, oh, come on, let's get the Freddy figurines out straight away. And like, <laughs> no, Hellraiser. Hunt, you bought Hellraiser, not a Nightmare uh, on Elm Street. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, okay, let's just try and force Pinhead into these situations now. Uh, after solving the lament configuration on How World, uh, which is a website, but also the game, apparently, whatever. The friends are invited to attend the private Howl World party. This is two party. years later as well. Yeah. So they're yeah. still playing this game still playing two it. years later. So seemingly it is some sort of, like, not, not Sims or... I don't even know how to describe it. Like, in 2002, mm-hmm. what films were... Fantasy Star Online? Is that <laughs> what we're getting? Well, the friends are invited to attend the private Howl World party at an old mansion called the Leviathan House oh. after... They uh, solved the puzzle. Chelsea is not up for this, um, but she's convinced after a phone call with Alison. Uh, but even Alison's like, oh, yeah, we did the puzzle too. And she's like, Alison, we're not kids anymore. Uh, hun, it's two years later. Two years. You were kids two years ago. How old are you supposed to be? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's It has only been two years. <laughs> so none of them have aged a day. So no. They drive to the party accompanied by the sound of It Ends by Bus House. Which I quite enjoyed, actually. Bus House pro- provide most of the songs for this film. I like the... They're not on Spotify. One thing about these Scream rip-offs is that they're always going to have a really great soundtrack. <laughs> they're going to have great songs. They, they end up at the party, and with all due respect to any internet gamers out there, this party is rife conventionally attractive people <laughs> including an absolute gorgeous lady descending the stairs with her breasts exposed yeah underneath a jacket chelsea's still a little reluctant to go in in her ugly leather pants they are very ugly leather pants what her outfit reminds me of and this is a niche reference but Corey wilson's outfits when she was yeah wrestling. around the same okay. time as well if anyone knows, you'll know what I'm talking Leather pants, that sort of um, sleeveless red top. Yeah. Uh, Jake, Adam's brother. Um... But did you get what I meant about everyone there being... Oh, yeah, no, no, this is ridiculous. Invi- there are yeah. all people who have dedicated it's... years of their lives yeah. to this Howl World game. And they all look super duper cool, straight out of an Abercrombie and Fitch uh, advertisement. But it's the same thing as Dead Like, they literally just put goth clothes on... Um, they took them for a shopping trip at Blue Banana in Coventry. Yeah. Uh, 
these really like model like actors and then like oh, okay that's it now everyone believe they're alternative gamers oh my god that's it. hang on that's not to say that goths and gamers can't be conventionally attractive no, of course. but Absolutely. in 2002 film standards where they made everyone look absolutely hideous who but happened then, to be a gamer alternative this is like really stands out but the thing is it's it's not necessarily that some of them look also, it's not as bad as the previous film we literally just discussed I it. I know, yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> it's called Deader. How Deader. can you not remember that? <laughs> well, compared to Deader, which is like, here are stereotypical alternative types. This, this one, they're not necessarily alternative types, but they all look like they work out. So it's like, how can you work a full-time job, play Hellworld, and work out? Like, Henry Cavill does not look like he spent the last two years playing a Hellraiser game. Which is I'm funny, sorry. because Henry Cavill was actually big into World of Warcraft, like, to the point he was obsessed with it. Oh, wow. At, the, at this time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, needs no sleep. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's, you know, I'm not being insulting to anyone, it's just, it's kind of like, uh, can we get a few nerdy people in there, please? <laughs> like, Alison at the funeral, she yeah. clocked the haircut. <laughs> of course. Like, she's got a little, tiny little, um, she looks like Billy Piper. She had those <laughs> tiny little uh, ponytails. You know, like, very 2000. Like the lead in Dedder. Yeah, very 2002. But he's like, you're a funeral, mate. <laughs> like, you're blaming yourself for this guy's death. And you've chosen that hairstyle? Someone died. <laughs> Uh, Jake, who is still very much distressed by Adam's death, is also there. Apparently. And Alison uh, is like, now nah, that's what I call a buzzkill. Why did it keep hiring random British actors for these fucking films? She is actually British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry Cavill is also actually British. He is, he is. I suppose closer to Romania, though. Shooting. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that makes also, sense. Yeah. Um, the I mean, Lance Harrington just happened to be in Romania. <laughs> I mean, Doug Bradley's British. Yeah. I think the Hellraiser is a thing is rather British. Yeah, but the uh, this one in particular, they're trying to make it look so American. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, they tried to do that in the first film. They're all uh, welcomed by the middle-aged party host, uh, Lance Henriksen. Shows up and is like, welcome to the party, Hellraisers. <laughs> you think that if... Um, Ad, oh, no, Jake had been so distressed yeah. over Adam's death. Do you think he would have stopped playing? Yeah, it would make more sense. But why is he there? He uh, he offers them drinks, shows them around the mansion. Um, allegedly, a former convent and asylum, which was built by Philip Lamarckand. So that's right. This is the Victorian house from Hellraiser Bloodlines. They're still trying to make Hellraiser bloodlines happen. But they don't... They Obviously, this is the that sort of timeline. But they don't actually discuss the films in any great length. No. So it's so when they're there, and they know that Hellworld isn't real. Yeah. And they know that everything isn't real. So when they see stuff like that, do they think they're in, like, you know, Universal Studios or something? Yeah, and also the, where it's all been made. Exactly, this is what doesn't make sense, and and the script is terrible here. You know, the, the writing is awful. Mm. It this is supposed to be Philip Lamarckin's house from Hellraiser Bloodlines, 
but the films are just films in this universe. Yeah. So why are they acting like Philip Lamarck and um, is a real life person yeah. when he's actually the character in How Raise a Bloodline? It's like, okay, you're making no sense. Yeah. And the room's full of lament configurations. Yes. Yeah. Like... <laughs> which they associate with Philip rather than associating them with the films as Rocks. No, they do though. They do. do they? Yeah. So first of all, they go to his office, and uh, one of them's like, "Wow, this is like a Hellraiser museum." Well, it's not really. There's a portrait of Philip from Bloodlines, who you're acting like is a real person. Yeah. A pack of tarot cards that features one pinhead card, and lament configuration. So they do associate with the film because they say it's like a museum for Hellraiser. Hmm. Um, but it's like it's not a fucking museum, can't it? And then there's a room in the basement with stillborn babies in jars. Oh my uh, god. Allison's like, I'm getting goosebumps. My you know what's are getting hard. <laughs> yeah, and the camera pans down to her breast. <laughs> uh, also in the office, the dickhead fucking sprays herself in the face with perfume. Yeah. And she's looking at it and it's got one of those <laughs> little ch- things. What are they called? Well, whatever. Ch- things. And she sprays herself in the face. Um... Henry Cavill gets ink on his thumb, and the other two have some drinks, don't they? What does Chelsea do? She she, no, she didn't do anything. She oh, didn't. I don't know about oh, this. Oh, this is Ooh, shit. This isn't real. It's like fucking Scooby Doo. Oh, this is so fake and gay. Oh, <laughs> oh don't. She's homophobic. No, no. Chelsea's a queen in this. Yeah. And I won't have anything bad said about her. She does something later on. That is possibly oh, the best thing yeah. a woman in this franchise has done since Kirsty. She's definitely the Daphne, though. Isn't she? <laughs> she is. Jake tells Allison that he only agreed to show up after a female Howard player, with whom he struck up an online friendship with, asked him to attend so they could meet. Really suffering after his friend's suicide. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going on Howard trying to get some uh, lady friends. Yeah. The host notices Chelsea isn't impressed by the mansion. <laughs> so you got all the Cenobites here? That don't impress me much. And she tells him how she's not bothered by it or because she knows it's just a game and it isn't real. Ugh. So he sticks a pin in her and transforms into Pinhead. And now Pinhead shows him, like, Adam was right. <laughs> and then she comes back around, she's like, oh, stay away from me. <laughs> I... You make something very clear, and I think it's true for maybe all of the films. Pinhead doesn't have the most screen time. But when he is on screen, he talks some fucking shit. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Half the time. And it's probably better in the first film. But for probably the whole series... (laughs) Everything he said, it's like, what are you going on about? <laughs> Shut up. But Doug, kill someone. Doug Bradley has that voice there where it's kind of like, I, I mean, I don't mind listening to him talk shit because no, his voice is no. so powerful and he looks amazing. Nothing he says means anything. It doesn't mean anything, At no. least with Freddy Krueger, <laughs> it's a pun or it's something stupid. We get a pun from... And it's memorable. He gives the odd pun, yes. <laughs> we get a great one in this. Yeah. I but mean, but mostly this one is like, oh... This one's like, oh, yeah, should I listen to Adam? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this whole film. You're in danger, girl. <laughs> <laughs> the host provides the friend group with mobile phones, 
Yes, the Nokia 3310. Nokia to communicate with other guests. And he says, if you need anything, then just scream. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this was after Scream 3, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. He was, all, uh, all, <laughs> was also in. Um, yeah, Nokia 3310s. Everyone at this party has them. Um, they're given masks. Their masks have numbers on them. Yeah. And if you ring or text, I'm assuming, those numbers, um, no one actually texts them, though, do they? No. I suppose two no, texts, They get texts, but they, they don't text themselves. Then you have to press the same button yeah. five times. Um, but if you want to speak to them, you can only speak via these phones. Yeah. Because of the masks, apparently. Yeah. And they all have their numbers. Okay. And these are the phones that they use throughout the rest of the film. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. I just want to make everyone aware of that, because if you've listened to the podcast before, you know I'll be going really in-depth, and I'll be bringing <laughs> that up later. Alison finds herself in what looks like a saw trap, two years before Saw, um, which is used to drain blood from Howworld Explorers. It's a chair with two blades attached at neck level, and the host activates it, and it cuts through Allison's neck. Somehow, uh, even though her neck has blades going through it, she still manages to call for Chelsea. And Pinhead shows up and is like, "Do you believe Adam now, Allison?" Oh my God, shut up about Adam Pinhead! Fucking hell, she's obsessed with him. Question: What believing Adam? What did Adam say? Adam didn't say anything. Adam didn't say fuck all. <laughs> he just got too involved in the game and killed himself. So I don't understand what he means by fucking, should I listen to Adam? <laughs> it's an alright death though, isn't it? It's good. It's good. And practical Alison's... effects are good. Yeah. Sh- oh, blimey, governor. Um, <laughs> apparently her death is because she's a nosy bitch. Yeah. And she did go into a room marked, do not enter. <laughs> um, so, yeah. She kind of deserved that. It's a shame she was the first to go, though. She was quite entertaining. Jake finds his way into a room with a computer where the host tells him Adam made a lament configuration with his own hands and encourages Joe, uh, Jake to open it. So he does, and he gets two CGI nails through his thumb, and Pinhead appears. <laughs> he just appears and disappears so much in this film. It's ridiculous. Um, the host is digging a grave outside of a coffin next to him, and Pinhead's like... Is it just a game now, Jake? It's like, what are you talking about? Like, why does he just keep saying these one-liners? This is your final film as Pinhead, Doug Bradley. I know, it's such a shame. <laughs> Mike calls one of the party guests who's doing a sexy dance, and he says, I'd love to see your puzzle box. <laughs> Wanna dance? Wanna party? Okay, I ain't gonna lie. That's probably the best pun in the whole series. <laughs> Better than anything Pinhead did. <laughs> That, I, I, that's funny. And it works. I mean, she starts sucking him off whilst it's... Chelsea calls him for help, but he isn't interested. Okay. How has Chelsea memorised his number <laughs> from his mask? This, this is the moment, guys. You've been waiting for it. I'm bringing this back up. Because then also her name pops up on the phone. Yeah. As Chelsea. Uh-huh. That makes no sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, he would have programmed the names into the contacts before giving them the phones. Lance Henriksen has far too much time on his hands in this film. She's gone into the contacts and called him. You think that? Oh, actually, yeah. I think I may have answered your question, actually. Yeah, no, that's exactly what's happened. Okay. Yeah. Right. I believe But then... No, that still makes sense, actually, because if the numbers are on there, they're not going to know the other people's names, so... No. Yeah. But they've got each other's numbers. Oh, well, there we go. We solved the mystery. <laughs> Gary can write shit horror sequels, too. <laughs> 
Jake becomes mysteriously invisible to the other party guests. And Derek loses his inhaler. He's absolutely... I'm sorry. He's absolutely fuming. <laughs> He's a straight white man. Although, actually, gay white men could also be <laughs> accused of this. Who isn't being listened to and yeah. isn't the centre of attention uh -huh. in the room. And he's fucking he is. fuming. He is. He's far too cute to not be served at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, strike that. Every gay white man. <laughs> that is their nightmare. Being in the middle of a party and not being the centre of attention. Okay, yeah, we've had years <laughs> of having to hide ourselves. So it's a little more valid for us. Straight white men have never had to hide themselves, so they could take the for it. It could be worse. It could be a uh, drunk white woman. <laughs> Derek loses inhaler, and the mask uh, girl who's sucking Mike off, her mask turns into a demonic face. <gasps> thanks oh. to some terrible CGI. Derek ends up in the basement whilst that'll get, looking... That'll, me, that'll make you floppy in a second, <laughs> won't it? Derek ends up in the basement whilst looking for his inhaler, and Pinhead fucking decapitates him. He does. He does. Um. Yeah. Could the could they not write other tropes than man gets enticed by sexy lady? Because <laughs> <laughs> both their kills are set up the same way, basically. Yeah. But no, I mean Derek needs his inhaler. Yeah. After being enticed by a sexy lady. That's true. That's true. Um, oh, yeah, the inhaler that he brought out in the church. Yes, the so we know that he needs there it. There we go. Yeah. Come, on, come on, Dream Master. Yeah. <laughs> um, why is Pinhead using a blade to decapitate people? I have no idea. When he can, like, send chains out of nowhere and yeah. do supernatural stuff. Because this is a slasher film. <laughs> Jake finds his way into the attic where a woman, presumably the one he met online, has sex with him. And after he, after they finish, he has visions of his brother doing some shirtless digging whilst Pinhead watches him. It's like, okay, you probably shouldn't be thinking of your brother just after you finish having sex. It's a little weird. Who's brother? Adam. Jake. Adam is not his brother. Yes, he is. Jake is Adam's brother, you knob. How? What do you mean, how? Yeah, no, it makes... Yeah, don't get me started. We have stuff to say about that. Yeah. No, no, no. That makes no sense. It doesn't. I can't, I can't figure out how that works. I feel like that's not true. No, 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 no. I promise you that's true. That's why they were so shocked he was there. Because they're like, that's your brother. No. No, Jake is Adam's brother. He is. Check the Wikipedia. That's not true. Jake is Adam's brother, which the twist makes no sense. No. Unless he was adopted. Unless he was adopted, then maybe it makes a little sense. But, yeah, no, it still not, makes no do sense. Not, do you not think brother is in, like... No, 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 he's his brother. They are related. It is his brother. Okay, then I need to take one down <laughs> on my rating. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's his brother. They, okay. they just don't have the same dad. Let's put it that way. Not... That's the only no. way they can explain that away. No. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. When we get to the twist, we'll uh, we'll talk about it. Um, also, what doesn't make any sense is how Jake's character development needed him ha having a sex scene. 
Yeah, with I didn't really with a random woman who never sort of really. It's not even a setup for his no, death. No, no. I thought we'd find out that's who he met online, but like it's never explained who she is. She just disappears. Oh, I suppose it kind of makes sense. Uh, well, we might as well give the spoiler. The spoiler is that. A bit sick. Uh, the spoiler <laughs> is the twist is that everyone is imagining this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I suppose it doesn't have yeah. to make any sense. That's that's true. That's true. I love how we. I love how we're finding ourselves really. defending this film as uh, we're going along. It's some cheap <laughs> DNA, and it does. It, I suppose it doesn't have to make sense to the character. Yeah. Chelsea receives a call from Allison screaming in pain, and a text saying Adam was right. Pinhead texting her. Oh, girl, girl, Adam was right. The host talks to her. (laughs) The host talks to her and welcomes her to Hal before playing a song where the lyrics are just welcome to Hal. I love it. Chelsea calls the police and they arrive. The host reassures them that everything's fine and he says that they can't look around. Okay, Lance Henriksen... So suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> and the police are on his... Uh, probably someone on drugs. Someone on angel dust. Yeah. Yeah, he is so suspicious. He is. Chelsea calls the cops mobile directly. Uh, and tells him she's in the window looking down at him. Yeah. But he can't see her. So uh, she also becomes invisible to everyone else. And uh, the cops like to Lance Henriksen... What's uh, what's a guy like you doing in a big house like this anyhow? And he's like, I love to party. <laughs> Lance Henriksen saying he loves to party. That's camp. Um, Mike's asked to return the favour for his blowy, isn't he? <laughs> yes. From his lady friend. Uh, he ends up being locked in the, the specimen jar room. I didn't really know what to call it. Is it just the basement? Yeah. Uh, and he's killed after discovering Derek's body. And his head and in a jar. <laughs> Derek's head in a jar. Um, so... So Bound kills him, um, a Cenobite, who Bound. yeah, who was one of the Cenobites you couldn't see in Dedder. Uh, this Cenobite has leather straps around his eyes and mouth, as well as metal wires wrapped around his head. Was a female Cenobite in Hellseeker, mm-hmm. uh, but somehow male now. Um, and yeah, he just gives him a hook to the back. Yeah, so Henry Cavill gets the hook death scene. Yeah. It's not as good as the previous, you know, and uh, we read the last film for just redoing yeah. it. So, but I mean, this didn't redo it, but did less. <laughs> Pinhead shows up uh, again, <laughs> just to talk shit. He's like, this is just the beginning, Superman. <laughs> oh, no, I gasped at that point. I was like, please don't say this isn't just the beginning. Please don't tell me this is just the beginning. Chelsea manages... I feel like that should have been maybe the first death. Yeah. I mean, it But then it wouldn't have made sense because he finds Derek's head. Yeah, I suppose. He he probably should have said to Alison, this is just the beginning. Yeah, but he's going to torture Henry Cavill for eternity now, isn't he? That's what he does with all his victims. And technically... Henry Cavill had to work for DC. He was tortured for an eternity. Ooh. <laughs> I'm not affiliated. Had to, had to make a, a film with fucking Joss Whedon. Fucking... You, you can get the backlash on that. Oh, to... Joss Whedon, yeah. Uh, Chelsea manages to escape and find a cop who can see her. And Pinhead kills him. Like, why? Why? Because she's out of the mansion. Her? He can see her. Fuck off. That's, no. 
That mate, I said that. That's not the film saying that. Like no. it's bullshit. Pinhead stabs. Pinhead stabs the cop through the mouth and kills him, and says, "There's no way out, Chelsea. Oh, what wonders we have to show you." <laughs> I don't. It's I, the same shit. I genuinely don't think that Doug Bradley knew what was going on in this film. Oh, was... I feel like they just gave him his lines and that was it. Like, just say this and then move on. Do you remember on. the episode of The Simpsons when Christy Clown... Uh, <laughs> Christy Clown? Christy the Clown walks into the uh, voiceover booth, mm-hmm. just reads everything <laughs> off and then leaves. <laughs> that is exactly what Doug Bradley did. That's exactly what... <laughs> we have such sights to show you. You just press a button and it's back. We have such sights to... Shites? The word we... You have well, of yeah. to show me. <laughs> Fucking hell, and this is, you have a lot of shite to show me. The host calls Chelsea with Jake's voice and asks her to go inside and help him. The house yes, is now empty. Three, three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That, that's it. Yes, screen three. Chelsea wanders around and finds Chatterer, as well as Mike and Allison, who are now walking and talking corpses. She locks herself in the attic and the host uh, gives her a ghost face call and she accuses him. She's like, oh, what? So you're franchise icon pinhead now? Yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite Hellraiser movie, Chelsea? And uh, she's like, you can't appear because I have an open lament configuration. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Duh, do you not know the rules? Jake sees Chatterer in the reflection of a glass cabinet so turns around and stabs him but it's Chelsea. <gasps> Although she calls him straight after and her corpse disappears. Oh. She's still in the attic and she asks him if the place could be an actual portal to the real Hal world. And she also suggests that they're already dead and in Hal because they didn't stop Adam from playing Hal world. He's a grown that's fucking so adult. Stu- that's so stupid. He's a grown man. He's responsible for his own fucking life. Yeah, and spoiler alert, Lance Henriksen is the reason for all of this because he's getting some sort of revenge because they didn't help Adam. <laughs> Yeah, he's Adam's dad. Okay, and we're nearly there, Ham. We're ne- him. We're ne- we'll have that rant soon. We're nearly there. <laughs> but just moments that is so fucking stupid. Chelsea finds items belonging to Adam and discovers that the host is his father. Oh. Spoiled for you a few minutes ago. Who <laughs> who blames his son's friends for not helping break his addiction. The host shows up and in a bizarre series of events, this is when Chelsea's explained all this to Jake. She's giving him the plot. Yeah. He says, leaving so soon without even saying goodbye. Chelsea turns to him and says, goodbye, asshole. And she fucking high kicks him in those ugly leather pants. And he goes flying over a railing, falling supposedly to his death. Don't even. That amazing. That earned it a full extra star from me. That was incredible. I wish she'd had this energy throughout the whole film. Just out of nowhere, this round house kid. Just, <laughs> yes, girl. Chelsea and Jake try to flee, but the host keeps randomly popping up. And going, boo! Whoa! <laughs> he literally said boo. He, did. he literally did. They discovered they've been buried alive and are receiving messages from the host via cell phones in their respective caskets. The host informs them that they are just coming out of an hallucination induced by a powerful psychedelic to which he exposed to them upon their arrival. Not true, because actually Chelsea didn't have anything. Chelsea didn't? So what happened to Chelsea? <laughs> oh, the pin. The pin. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. And the events... Uh... So she sh- oh, so she wasn't hallucinating that. So she no. probably should have been a lot more angry about that. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, question. Okay. If they're all hallucinating... Yeah. And it's all some sort of dream... It's all through their guilty consciences. All through their guilty consciences. When Mike and Jake both partake in sexual activity... Uh-huh. Would you consider that a wet dream? Um, and did they just their pants? Uh, potentially. potentially. Did they just their pants? <laughs> I mean, they're dead as well. So they're dead and covered in cum. I mean, what a way to go. <laughs> Before leaving... <laughs> Before leaving the host, let's Chelsea know that Alison, Derek and Mike have all died and are in their own coffins. And that only she and Jake remain alive. Okay, so actually, Jake... Is this still alive? So he's running around in jizzy underwear. No, he's in a coffin and buried alive. Oh, yeah, he's not <laughs> running around. Oh, oh, fuck's sake. This fucking film. I'm confused. Um, as Chelsea begins to slip into another hallucination, she is abruptly pulled from the ground by the police and paramedics and reunites with Jake as he's been taken to an ambulance. The police and paramedics say they were tipped off by a phone call from Chelsea's telephone. Chelsea does not know who could have called them, but she looks towards the house and sees Adam standing in a window. (laughs) The ghost of Adam called the police. (laughs) Later, the host sits in a bedroom going through a suitcase containing Adam's very few possessions. Um, He finds and opens the actual lament configuration, which summons the real Cenobites. Pinhead praises Adam's in- ingenuity and mocks the host's disbelief before the chatterer and bound Cenobites tear him to pieces. And Pinhead says, I'll start for a wake-up call. <laughs> That's a good one. I'll give him that. Jake and Chelsea are driving to the sound of Look Who's Standing Tall by Boss House. They're driving into the sunrise when they receive a mysterious phone call from the host who suddenly appears in the back seat. I, it's one trope of horror films that I fucking hate. Because you know this story isn't going to continue. You know it. The filmmakers knew it. Everyone involved knew. Do you know what? There was going to be no con- con- continuity after this. But there's no reason for them to think that. There's no reason for them to think that because there's no sequel they've got to make to keep the rights. Which makes the next film... Even worse. I would have rather them carried on this story. This was a forced sequel. This was a forced... Yeah, 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 of course it was. Of course. But I would have much rather seen the sequel after this. Lament Configuration is in the real world. They know about that. It goes from there. I would have rather have seen that with these same characters than whatever the fucking atrocity is that we get next. Yeah, no, of course. But every single... Apart from one and two, every single film has had... Fuck all to do with what came before it. Yeah, 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 of course. So I hate this. And it, it's not just Hellraiser. It's yeah. horrors in sequels in general. Mm-hmm. Where you have to... It's like the end of I Know What You Did Last Summer. It didn't go anywhere. No. I hate it. Yeah. Because it feels cheap. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a waste of time. Because now, you know, if you're going to pique my interest with this shit, which mm-hmm. this film certainly didn't... <laughs> Um, but if you're gonna do this, then give me the fucking sequel, or it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. 
Because I know that this this story is not continued. So I might as well have switched it off the moment that Lance Henriksen died. Yeah. They almost crush the car, um, but are able to stop it, and the host disappears. And the last scene shows the police entering the bedroom in which the host opened the box, the walls blood smeared, and the box lying on the floor. And there you go, you know, set up for a sequel. Yeah. The police have arrived and seen, oh shit, no, this has actually really happened. Fuck, what are we going to do? Yeah. You know? We might actually get a Hellraiser film. Yeah. Because when you realise what the twist is, mm-hmm. this film was not a Hellraiser film. It was people hallucinating yeah. pinheads uh-huh. because of a game. Yeah. So it wasn't a pinhead yeah. as a character didn't exist until the very end. Until that, yeah, until that second twist, and that's yeah. you know that could lead to a good sequel, but no, it doesn't. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, that's how is a how world. I don't mind. It's it's terrible. It's not good, but it's it's passable. There are good parts to it. Not good parts. It's got entertaining parts to it. There's a charm. There's a certain charm there, and it's that post-scream charm that I can often forgive in films. Yeah. It's that sort of early 2000s, like, nostalgia. And I have got nostalgia attached to this film. You know, it, what, I did watch it after Dead Um And, it, I mean, compared to Dead fucking hell, this is a five-star Oscar-winning masterpiece. And compared to Revelations, this is fucking Citizen Kane. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's shit, but it's not unwatchable. I say this a lot on the podcast. If I just happened to be watching it and I didn't have to make notes and sit here talking about it and analysing it to try and make an entertaining yeah. podcast episode, I would have been like, that's fine. Yeah. But the more you look into it and you do see the details and the kind of things that do annoy me about films and horror films, I just I was frustrated by the end and I thought the twist was yeah. I thought, how fucking stupid. But I would like to see a Hellraiser game this time. <laughs> if it gives anyone the idea to make one, that'd be good. Um, ratings. I give it four Ghostface calls from Lance Henriksen out of ten. Oh, I give it two Superman blowies out of ten. <laughs> okay, I mean, like I said, it earned an extra star from me because of... Uh, the roundhouse kick. The roundhouse kick. Yeah. So I mean, technically, it's a free for me. Okay. But I'll give it three. The roundhouse kick. I'll give it three Superman <laughs> blowies out of ten. Uh, masterpiece, trash, be trash or basic? I'm basic. It's basic. It's basic. Basic. Uh, it's available on video on demand and DVD. I wouldn't actually tell you not to watch this one. It's you know, I wouldn't say go out of your way to watch it, but if you're doing a Hellraiser franchise, watch it. Honestly, just watch one, two, three, five, and this. Like, yeah. And the remake, and then that's it. Leave it at that. There's you don't need to see anything else. Continuity. They're not connected no. in any way. So, of all the franchises, this and, and no, actually, this one probably the most. Um, this is the one where you can actually just skip. Films. It is true. If we, I would never do a full, you know, franchise watch for this. Yeah. No. But I would include um if you enjoyed this i recommend checking out stay alive another 2000s post scream horror film with a video game and frankie muniz and frankie muniz uh if you enjoyed this check out halloween resurrection <laughs> it's same tone same yeah. same tone but much camper yeah way camper and here we are 
Our final film of this episode, but sadly not the final film of the franchise. It's Hellraiser Revelations from 2011. Yes. Directed by Victor Garcia, who directed The Communion Girl, Gallows Hill, Mirrors 2, Return Ooh, to House Mirrors on... Two. Return to House on Haunted Hill. Oh. 30 Days... What? Yeah, the sequel to the remake. It's no. It's just... It's, it's terrible. It's, it's awful. Wow, I didn't even know it was a thing. Might have to be a podcast film. Again, that post-scream effect... I I do love a post-screen. 30 Days of Night, Blood Trails, An Affair to Die For, and more. Written by Gary J. Tunnicliffe. Uh, and I'd just like to say, do not judge the Garys on Gary J. Tunnicliffe and what he did with his film. Um, we're better than that. And of course, Gary Glitter, you know. Um, within the, he wrote Within the Rock, Guardian, Megalodon, Hansel and Gretel 2002, and Raise a Judgment, the next one. He also did special effects for Trick, Feast, Blade, Straw Dogs remake, Apollo 18, Scary Movie 5, Piranha 3 Double D, Scream 4, Ginger Snaps, Dracula 2000, Halloween, Curse of Michael Myers and Resurrection, Hellraiser 3, and more. So there's no excuse as to why the special effects are so fucking bad in this film. I, in all honesty, I would say if someone who is able to do those sort of special effects is going to be a budget thing. And yeah. they're probably going to say, you don't get much of a budget. And this is probably why the effects are so bad. Do you know what the budget was for this film? 300000 $300,000. That's small, though, compared to the That universe. is, yeah. So, again, same trivia. Again. Yes. First Hellraiser film since Hellraiser Bloodline, written as a Hellraiser film. Yes. And I believe that. Yeah. And that um, makes me very sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was rushed into production after Dimension Films. It fucking was. Realised that a contractual stipulation meant that they stood to lose the rights to the Hellraiser series if they did not produce a sequel to 2005's Hellraiser Hellworld. Consequently, uh, the entire production time was roughly three Weeks included an eleven-day shooting schedule. You can fucking tell. Well, <laughs> an ad copy for the DVD and Blu-ray releases hailed the film as coming from the mind of Clive Barker. In response, Barker, who has had no official involvement with the series since Hellraiser Bloodline, posted a profanity-laden message to his Twitter feed saying, "Hello, my friends. I want to put on record." That the flick out there using the word Hellraiser is no fucking child of mine. I have nothing to do with this fucking thing. If they claim it's from the minor Clive Barker, it's a lie. It's not even from, from my bum hole. <laughs> <laughs> and you can judge all Barkers based on Clive Barker. <laughs> um, in the words of Georgina, the honest vocal coach covering Paramore, how did we get here? Money. Money. People wanted money, and as I yeah, they wanted the rights to it. Okay, I'm, I'm sure how much merchandise. Oh my god, how much merchandise is out there for them to put this shit well, out? You think t-shirts and stuff like that, and figurines and horror film fans, we are collectible nerds. I mean, I sit here surrounded by them. 
No Hellraiser one for that. Yeah. We we have a bit of Hellraiser Lego. Um, <laughs> but, but, I don't think that's official. No. Um, yeah, this is just... I honestly one of the worst films I've ever seen in my this, life. This, this I would go on record right yeah. and say this is the worst sequel ever made. I can't think of anything worse than this. If, I really can't. If you compare this film to Hellraiser, yeah, the original, mm-hmm. this is the worst sequel. It doesn't even in feel like a film. In terms of quality, yeah. In terms of it being based on Hellraiser, which yeah. is a masterpiece. In terms of that, this is absolutely bottom of the barrel, abysmal, minus five stars, just shite. Yeah. So there you have it. When we said Dedo was the worst, surprise, here's the twist of the episode. When you look at the other sequels. (laughs) (laughs) The twist of the episode, Dedo is not the worst. This is fucking... Dedo is not the word. Compare it to some of the worst sequels in other franchises, you know, fucking Freddy's Dead. Jason Takes Manhattan, Hellraiser, fucking how, how, Halloween, even Halloween remake. Um, you know, this is they don't even come close to this. I fucking hate this. Jason Takes Manhattan, and this is so much worse than that. This genuinely feels like fucking fan fiction, it's, and it has the quality of a porn film. Yeah, that the acting, the camera work, the sound design. Like, there's nothing, absolutely nothing redeemable about this at all. Not a single it's, thing. It's true. It's true. Let's. Should we just end the episode? Let's talk now? about who's in it. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about who's in it. In the final section. Yes. Uh, uh, hey, I know you. Stephen Brand. I, I don't see you again because you did a terrible performance. Stephen Brand is Ross Craven. Um, yeah, they did the fucking whole surnames thing from Horror Shut the fuck up. Oh, really? Yeah. The Scorpion King, Mayhem, Teen Wolf, Criminal, Housing Ultimate, Alex Ryder, Hawaii Five Zero, Five O, No Tomorrow, Agatha Raisin, Triassic Attack, and more. Doctors. Yeah. That British daytime soap opera doctors. Stephen Smith Collins, uh, Stephen Smith Collins, even uh, as Pinhead. We'll get to it. Criminal Minds. <laughs> Don't start, because you may never stop. <laughs> Criminal Minds, NCIS Los Angeles, Chasing the Devil, The Orville, Unborn, Long Lost Sister, Game Shakers, Castle, and more. Fred Tatterskewer as the voice of Pinhead. Uh, a white man, by the way, I just need to add. Team America World Police as the voice of Samuel L. Jackson. That doesn't surprise me, actually. Kung Fu Panda 2. It, Rogue One, Solo, Star Wars sequel trilogy, Wreck-It Ralph, and more. How is he still getting work? If this is a fucking woman doing this, she would not have a career now. Mm. How is this guy? He's got 910 credits on IMDb. 910 credits. That has to be a record breaker, surely. I just... Was he trying to do a Clive... Um, Doug Bradley. Doug Bradley. Yeah, yeah, of course he was. But the sound design was so bad, you could barely hear what he was saying. Yeah. Doug Bradley was approached to reprise his role as Pinhead, but became hesitant when told that there'd be no second draft of the script. Um, he he did not like it. He, he hated the first script because it just wasn't finished. No. This film isn't finished. No. It's true. Bradley ultimately declined after being told that his salary from the previous films would be, in his words, cut down to the price of a fridge. Ashley Lawrence like, oh, 
<laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm in. I I give you pinhead. I'll do it. I need a new fridge. I I do you know what? I would buy her a fridge to see her play pinhead in a movie. He later referred to the film as a cinematic Ashkin copy. Yes. Yeah. Which is the old is it comic book uh, phrase? Is it? I have no idea what it means. So but... Ash Ashcon copy. Is... Doug Bradley's sophisticated man. I trust it means that the I film know, shit. Yeah. Uh, Ash. Yeah. Ashcon copy. I think Ashcan. Ashcan yeah. is uh, when comic books. I think they just threw uh, comic books out there with mm-hmm. a character that they liked the sound yeah. of. Like so, no one else could take. Yeah. 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 Nick Eversman, and uh, also good, good on Doug Bradley. He he did not miss much here. Um, Nick Eversman plays Stephen Craven. This would have ruined his legacy. Yeah, as yeah. Pinhead. yeah. I genuinely think that because I, when these things come out and he's decided not to carry on the role, and someone's taken over and everybody hates it. Yeah. And you're not, you know the real pinhead you never will be mm-hmm. all that stuff i do take it with a little pinch of salt perfectly justified in this case yeah it's terrible yeah nick eversman was in the good lord bird vampires suck missing duff. duff once upon a time mother may i sleep with danger Ooh. when we rise billy boy and more and tracy faraway plays emma craven and she was in a hologram for the king enough said Patchwork, Make It or Break It, Neighbours from Hell, uh, an animated series, not that Neighbours from Hell. The Chicago A <laughs> and more. And the, you know what they all have in common? They're fucking... They really fucked up here. It's a stinker room. No one wants to see this in your on your CV. This must be the first take. Oh, this God, must, yeah, of course. This must be the first take. Quality. It was just to restore the rights. Like, they, they put... There's no effort. This, and this, this is... What I hate, and I'm going to say it now, what I hate about this and why I think that we can sit here and rip it to shreds <laughs> is because it's a cheap cash in. But I do feel for the cast in some way because I feel like they weren't told it was a cheap cash in. They were like, you're going to be part of a Hellraiser film. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, okay, cool. Fantastic. They probably did their first take and they were told, this is great. Well mm-hmm. done. And they've been put out there into the world with some fucking abysmal performances. Yeah. Because somebody probably told them, we need to get this film finished. And they're thinking, how cool I'm going to be in a Howard yeah. film. Oh. But then I also feel for the poor horror fans mm-hmm. who paid good money for this. Yeah. Not knowing, you know, put it on the front of the fucking DVD cover. Did this as a cheap cash in so we could keep the rights? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's an insult. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, it's something else they could have done, you know, oh. put out, oh, put out, a, it's something else they could have done, like put out a documentary, oh. a comic book, or, you know. Or just like, make it a 30 minute short film or something. Or, or just put, put some fucking, just put effort into it. It's yeah. not that difficult. Check it on Amazon Prime. Fucking Dimension Films. Oh my God. I'm so glad they're not a thing anymore. Um... Yeah, let's talk about our third and final feature presentation. I don't really get it. You guys never talk about Steven and Nico. Emma, please. What, please forget that I had a brother? Please forget that my boyfriend disappeared with him? What is on that video camera? Shut up! Ah! It's Steven! 
everyone, just stay calm. Very short opening credits with the most basic font you'll ever oh fucking see in your life. If I've seen PowerPoint presentations fucking better than this. Uh huh. It's just like some font, just random font. Is it like Times New Roman? Yeah, it, I, I swear it is. Yeah. Who uses Times New Roman? Um, we open in the style of found footage. <laughs> I was checking to see who. Uh, Calibri for me, thank <laughs> you very much. Um, we open in the style of found footage. Back in 2011, found footage. Of Gary course. was like, let's fucking go. I yeah. am ready for this. Found footage, Hellraiser. Great. Fantastic idea. Let's do this. Found footage, Gary. Is that what you're saying <laughs> online? On the IMDb message board? I still am. I still am. It's found footage, um, Gary. And, you know, I still stand by it. A found footage, Hellraiser film could be really cool. But no, 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 no. They don't commit to it. And even when it's not in the found footage style, the camera... Is all over the place. It is the the camera work is fucking just yeah yeah. It's it's bad. It's bad. Um, Nico Bradley and Stephen Craven are friends that have run away from home, traveling to Mexico to, in their words, get their dicks wet. Um, and film themselves engaging in several days worth of partying before they disappear. Uh, they say, oh, we're here to get laid multiple times. Oh, whoa. And all that shit. Okay. Um, I know it's a horror film from 2011, so this would never happen. But do you think they're overcompensating with their let's get our dicks wet? Of course they were. Because they're two, they're running away together. And, you know, I, I'm getting queer coded. <laughs> which is an insult to queer people. Yeah. To apologise. But it's a Hellraiser film. It's made by Doug Bradley. Hellraiser is the most queer fucking horror title out there. Like you just did what I did. What did I say, Doug Bradley? Bradley. Clive Barker. (laughs) But um, but literally, okay, make it. They're running away um, because they're gay and the families won't accept them. Something like that. Some you know. That'd be great. But then we have to have this awful dialogue. Oh yeah. Oh pussy, pussy, pussy. I say we bang the first bow-legged hooker we find. Yeah. Like come on, it's been a long time since American Pie was released. Calm down. The Mexican authorities... Uh, by the way, this was not filmed in Mexico. If this of was filmed in Mexico, was, I'd be yeah, very surprised. But they, was, they yeah. tried to make it look like this dingy, shitty place. It's, like, it's very It's offensive. kind of insulting to Mexico yeah. as well, actually. It, it is. Um, the Mexican authorities return their belongings to the parents, including a video recorded by Stephen that documents their final moments and, and, uh, and the lament configuration. A year later, Stephen's mother watches the footage on the camcorder... And we see that their car gets broken into because they're in Mexico, you know. Yes. And Nico opens the lament configuration. Pinhead shows up, and I, I, the first time I watched this in 2011, I could not believe my eyes. Honestly, this is fucking insulting. I'm, I'm all for body positivity um, and everything, but the in the, the outfit they gave this actor. 
it must be Doug Bradley's outfit. It, it doesn't fit. He is bursting out of it. It's giving like, snug Bradley. Like, poor... I, I feel so sorry for this actor. It, it's it, it's a shame, really, because he just... It doesn't fit. It doesn't... doesn't it's as simple as that. Fit. It is as simple as that. And it does not fit. It may have been a reason for his performance. One of many reasons for the performance. Because if you, you know, you've got a tight ass, leather <laughs> outfit on, it's digging in, you're chafing... You know, your mind's everywhere. And it must be very painful. <laughs> it's, it's highly unflattering as well. It really is. But that's, you know, we're all, we're all for body positivity, oh, you know? I, I, we have Butterball in the first film, for fuck's sake. Exactly. That's great. Have a have a large Cenobite. That's great. But don't just, don't just give him this outfit because it was clearly Doug Bradley's outfit. Yeah. Make a new one. Make a new one. You this have $300,000. Find somewhere in that budget to make a new outfit that fits the guy, for fuck's sake. It just doesn't fit and it looks highly uncomfortable. Yeah. And his makeup, fucking bullshit. Absolute bullshit. It, it literally looks like someone's had a red felt tip, drew the lines on his head and then stuck some fucking shitty pins in there. It, it looks terrible. It, it is, it's given Halloween. Yeah. Not, yeah. not the film. No, given, just cheap masks for Halloween. It's given I'm going yeah. out to get pissed on Halloween. Here's a cheap mask. It looks like cheap cosplay. It's yeah. it's terrible. The families of the two missing boys gather together. Po- the eyes are popping. The eyes are well. popping. Yeah. Popping. The, the families of the two missing boys gather together for dinner. Uh, the actors portraying Nico's mum and dad are only two and seven years older than the actor portraying Nico. <laughs> Which I didn't realise because... The camera never stays still enough on no. Nico for me to realise what he actually looks like. <laughs> Tensions rise when Emma, Stephen's sister, and Nico's girlfriend expresses frustration with their lack of closure. And the dad's like, please, Emma. And he's like, please what, Dad? Please forget that I have a brother and that my boyfriend went missing with him. The acting, honestly, is the worst acting I've ever seen. It's, it's, re- it's bad all round. Why is mum always in Stephen's room? <laughs> what is on that camera? <laughs> I have a few questions. Can I ask you a few questions? Number one, why can Stephen's mum only watch the video in Stephen's room? <laughs> Two, why is Emma wearing a very low cut top considering it's dinner? <laughs> considering it's dinner with her parents and their friends, it's more of like a party outfit. It is going out. Yeah. Literally, they're round the table to discuss the disappearance and probable death of her brother and her boyfriend. <laughs> why? 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 <laughs> why is it so low cut? Why is? And then the other ladies are wearing dresses. Um, Nico's dad is wearing a nice enough shirt, but Stephen's dad is in a flannel shirt, <laughs> like he's going to start chopping wood. He's giving lumberjack. <laughs> okay. Where everyone else is given real housewives realness. The costume designs are the least. And Emma's given barbed wire, for fuck's sake. Oh, then again, it's supposed to be the same people in charge for this as they were for the pinhead costume, so there we go. She demands that her mother reveals the contents of the videotape, um, which she's been obsessing over, and uh, the mum's like, shut up, shut up, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Emma has a look at the tape, which documents... <laughs> st- Don't. Yeah, so she does all that, like, why won't you show me the tape? And then she literally just goes and watches she it with no effort. <laughs> because the camera cannot leave Steven's room and just goes in and watches the tape. 
<laughs> and it's Stephen and Nico picking up a, a girl in a bar. Uh, and then we get the first of many flashbacks, which reveals that Nico murdered the girl whilst having sex in the uh, bathroom and later threatened to implicate Stephen in the killing to force him to continue their vacation together. Yeah, this is where the camera work first really goes off yeah. the, the hill, if that's the phrase. Uh-huh. Just crazy. Whether yeah. it's the handheld camera or it's the flashback sequence, it's wild. It is, yeah. It just can't wild. stay still. It's going... 10,000 miles yeah. an hour from left to right. I genuinely believe awful. I genuinely believe this whole film was shot handheld. I, it's like they don't own a tripod. It's ridiculous. Do you think they wanted to be able to in some way have the whole thing uh, found footage but it didn't really work out? What, like, so did... <laughs> the whole scene in the bathroom. Yeah. Like, was the whole thing meant to be found footage, which is why it's... No, 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 because no one's... Who's holding the camera? Yeah. Because you see both characters. Yeah, I believe they... I fully believe they wanted it to be. Yeah. But then just do it. Fucking do it. Yeah. Like, there's no reason as to why you can't. Cloverfield is a found footage film. Look at the amount of things that film does. Yeah. You can can do a fucking Hellraiser film found footage. Plenty of films kind of thought that... If our biggest gripe with this film was that they kind of forced the found footage aspect, I wouldn't have been as angry. As no, <laughs> no. <laughs> angry. I never get angry about a film, so this one made me angry. And sifting through Stephen's effects, uh, Emma finds the puzzle box that she recognizes from the video. The rest of the family uh, discuss how it makes no sense that they just run away for no reason, and uh, <laughs> Nico's mom's like, "Guys, can we remember them for how they were and not how they were killed?" Emma just. Were... <laughs> I just something else that confused. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa! Stop everything you're saying right now. Stop. Whoa, 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 whoa. So if this, if they watch them get killed uh-huh. on the videotape, exactly, then they know the twist. They know the twist. Yeah. <laughs> but they also surely murdered, they murdered a prostitute. Yeah. So they don't mention the prostitute. Yeah. The fact that they're murderers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't mention any of that. And then Nico's dad says, uh, who knows what the videotape means? Even the cops couldn't figure it out. <laughs> this is evidence in the murder of a prostitute. Yeah. This is police evidence. Yeah. And they just give it back to the family willy-nilly. No, enjoy. <laughs> the mum keeps going back to watch it. They can't figure... <laughs> what it means is... That they murdered someone. Yeah. And you really should not have gotten the videotape back. Yeah. You shouldn't have been given this camera. It's evidence. They literally watch that. They watch them get skinned. Like they, yeah. They, they, something that makes a twist massively obvious here. Um, and 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 they're just calm about it as well. Like yeah. everyone's really calm in this film, despite the little shouty moments. Everyone's so calm. Even like when something happens, like, oh, that's spooky. Whew. Like, nothing... They don't react. Oh, bitch. By the end, one of them has hooks in her face <laughs> and she looks bored. Emma walks out just in time for Nico's dad to question whether Emma said anything that could have led to him running away. So she storms off. Oh, my... This just... It's a nightmare. 
this family, they're a fucking nightmare. It must Emma must have broken up with him. And that's why he ran away. And murdered and a prostitute. Murdered a prostitute. Why is no one talking about this? It's on the fucking camera. Why are they not talking about the fact that they opened another dimension with demons tearing yeah. their skin off? What the police are like, oh well, I suppose that's weird. Anyway, have it back. Um, she goes to the swimming pool and she op- she attempts to open a lament configuration and Stephen suddenly reappears covered in blood. She's like, guys, it's Stephen! <laughs> guys, it's Stephen! And Nico's all like, where's Nico? Nico, are you out there? <laughs> they try to rush Stephen to the hospital, but they discover they've become stranded. The phones have no signal and the cars have disappeared. So yes, that's right. The Cenobites... I stole their fucking cars. <laughs> I can just imagine Cenobites. Do you think they stole the cars in Mexico as well? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Emma's dad says to Nico's dad, do you have a gun? And Nico's dad licks his lips. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we get randomly inserted scenes of another version of Pinhead giving flesh to Pinhead. Uh, who then puts nails in the second version of himself's head. And it's like, what does this mean? Why is this here? What yeah. are you doing? Because, I mean, spoiler alert, that's part of the twist. Yeah. But at this point, it's like, eh? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Emma opens the box again, and Pinhead and more Cenobites briefly arrive in the living room before disappearing again. And this is when they're just like, oh, wow, that was weird, weren't it? Yeah. There's no reaction. You don't get that every day, do they, you? I don't give a shit if you've got no cars. You fucking run out of the house and you just run away. Like, don't stay there. Stephen teleports outside. Yes. And he's like, the Cenobites are coming. They're coming for pleasure and pain. Let's make something very clear right here, right now. Of all the terrible performances <laughs> in this film... Stevens is by far the worst. It is. It really is. It is abysmal. <laughs> really, and I keep saying that word, and that's the word. That's the word I'm using. Abysmal is what this performance is. Yeah. We we'll get another flashback. I mean, all respects that man. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but <laughs> fucking hell. We get another flashback to Nico receiving the puzzle box from a vagrant. Because yes, the vagrant's back. Yeah, the fir- first time since part three. So they're in. Um, the one character we're all waiting for. They're in a bar. Is that the same? Is it meant to be the same vagrant? Of course it is. Person? Yeah. Hence why he doesn't have a Mexican. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, what's the word? Accent. Yeah. Um, Nico says to Stephen, "Life's cheap here. There's probably hundreds of killings a week." She's just a number. Yeah. In reference to the prostitute. Great Mexico uh, representation. I, but I also feel like this film kind of brings up all the things people hate about Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's it's kind of giving MAGA energy. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, the family completely ignore what their sons did. In a lovely house, by the way. In a lovely house with a swimming pool. They completely. I just want my kids back. I just want my kids back. Um, oh, Stephen's mum has a Karen haircut. Mm-hmm. They have guns. They have a gun. 
Stephen and Nico think it's perfectly okay to go down to Mexico and kill a prostitute. Yeah. I just... I, I'm not sure what it's meant to be the message of the film. Yeah. Um, but that's what it's giving. Um, we get some amazing dialogue uh, where the vagrant says, you can experience arousal. And uh, Nico's like, arousal, you mean like sex? He's like... Better than sex. It takes you beyond the limits of sex. Pleasure and pain. Nico's like... Pain? You mean like bondage and shit? (laughs) And then we have to watch the exact same sequence again of Nico opening the box and Pinhead doing his The Box You Open It We Came speech. I mean, the mix between fan footage and normal filming, like everything that we saw at the start of the film, Mm -hmm. we had to watch it all again. Yeah. Stephen tells Nico's parents that he didn't want to come back and he wanted to, uh, Nico wanted to stay with the Cenobites. And we go back to the flashback. We go back to the flashback. <laughs> the delivery. He, he didn't, didn't want, want to come, come back. back. He wanted to stay. We go back to the flashback again and Stephen has sex with a prostitute and kills her to bring Nico back to life. He bursts out of the mattress with no skin just like Julia in part two and uh, starts feeding on the girl. And he says, Stephen, her blood brought me back and now I need more. <laughs> but this is remaking the first film. Yeah. This is this is remaking the first film. This is not a sequel. And it made more sense for Julia to murder for... Um, what's his name? Frank. Frank. Yeah. Frank. That made more sense. Yeah. This makes no sense because Stephen... And I just... I don't understand why Stephen would have taken the prostitute back in the first place. Because mm-hmm. he's meant to be the good guy in this. Yeah. And he's... Nico is the bad guy. Yeah. Who murdered the prostitute and Stephen wanted to go to the authorities. So Stephen takes the prostitute back and Nico, through mind whatever telekinesis whatever (laughs) says kill her kill her and then he does but the process of taking the prostitute back was all steven yeah why did steven just go home yeah yeah why did steven just go i'm i'm missing please help me yes embassy you know emma brings i shoot you not emma brings out a book and looks at the word cenobite to help the rest of the family understand it a little better Uh-huh. It's like meant to be a dictionary. It's, it's a dictionary. Oh, oh Cenobite. Oh, yeah. Because oh, they've got a signal on their phones. So she has to bring out oh, a dictionary. Oh, my God. That's what Cenobites means. It means a group of monks. <laughs> Which doesn't help at all. No. Like, why Why include that? Because it has nothing to do with the film. We get another flashback. And Chatterer. Oh, my God. Poor Chatterer. They really done dirty in this film. It, it looks like a gender swap, Chatterer. And her mouth is hardly moving. The whole point of Chatterer is that his mouth moves constantly, and That's it's what chattering means. yeah. But Look, in, in this, in it's like one and two chatters per second. It's like, <laughs> it's ridiculous chomp. per minute. Like you're like chomp chomp chomp. chomp. Um and like and she rips the skin of Stephen's face. Emma has a brief brief flirt with Nico's father, but Emma's like Emma. And she takes some soup. I missed that. <laughs> she takes some soup to Stephen's room and starts eating it, uh, which wakes him up for some reason. 
And in a bizarre series of events, she has a deeply intimate conversation with her brother. Can I just stop you just for a second? You know those random things that really annoy me? How did they make soup so fast, randomly out of nowhere? Yes, that's number one. Number two, why are they having soup in a big bowl? Yeah. With a plate underneath. Yeah. Without a spoon. Yeah. Why are they sipping it like it's a large cup of coffee <laughs> without a handle? Why are they having soup after after demons just appeared in their fucking living room? <laughs> but what I don't understand the big bowl and this <sighs> just I don't get it. Yeah. Like it's it's soup though. It's soup. Like, there are other meals, you know, if it was, like, like a ramen, I could understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's soup. Yeah. Why are, you, why are you drinking it like a large cup of coffee? It's not like you've come to the end of the meal and you're, you know, finishing uh-huh. it. Oh, my God. Yeah. They have a deeply intimate conversation. <laughs> Generally, it really pissed me off. I wrote so much about that. The, the two siblings <laughs> have a, an intimate conversation, mm. which leads them to kissing. Um, she says, oh, you didn't bring me anything back. And he says, oh, but I did. The box. And she's like, oh, I love that thing. <laughs> he's, now, he's had issues. And I'm assuming he's under the Cenobite's influence. Mm-hmm. And this is what I wrote. I, I understand the, the twist. twist. And it plays into the twist. But why is she not She has no out? excuse. Why is she He literally says out? later on in his little monologue, like, she's tried to fuck her brother. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I understand him <laughs> to a certain degree because, you know, it's obvious something's going on there. But why is she not like, uh, no, what? Yeah. Yeah. And he starts feeling her boobs and uh, she has visions of chains and mutilated bodies. And that's what stops her. Yeah. Now she's freaked out. <laughs> Soon after the vagrant. Yeah, she, t- she just lies downstairs. And has a sleep on the couch. Yeah. Fully dressed with her shoes yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just goes to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Soon after the vagrant shows up and Nico's father shoots him. He gets back up and cuts Nico's father's face off, which kills him. Yeah. Stephen. Why? No idea. No idea. No excuse. Who is this man? The vagrant doesn't come back again. No. That's the last is, we see him. Who is this man? Stephen then goes downstairs, retrieves a shotgun, and uh, shoots his father before holding the rest of the household at gunpoint. Uh, he says to Emma, shut the fuck up, little girl. And his his dad says, this isn't you, Stephen. This isn't you talking. And he says, that's the first sensible thing you said all night. All night? <laughs> He's only just come back. You're the one I don't want to hear from. I really want to slap you. <laughs> um, yeah. Stephen suggests that he shot him because he's fed up of living in a nowhere town <laughs> where you do the same fucking thing all the time. You fuck the same women. And I'm like, what? So you're going to have a go on your sister instead? Good old white privilege. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. you got a swimming pool outside. Oh, oh I can't so believe boring. it. Oh. Oh, it's a huge house. <laughs> oh, kicking around in the same giant house. <laughs> Yet another f- giant bowls of soup. <laughs> Yet another flashback uh, to Stephen attempting to kill another prostitute so that her blood can be used to regenerate Nico. He realizes he has a ba- um, that she has a baby, so refuses to do it. So Nico kills her and the baby, uh, but is unable to regrow his skin. 
Yes. Um. Just. Before, I just want to go back just a little bit. Yeah. My apologies. Um. When Stephen says about the. St- you know, nothing new, nothing to do in town, nothing this, that, and the other. Stephen's father says, "That all changes when you have children." <laughs> I'm literally like, he just shot you. He's an an accomplice to a murder. What is wrong with you? I hope you die. That all changes when you have children. Fuck you. Fucking straight people and the ability to tell people that children changes their lives. Like, there's no limits. Oh, and that's not even the worst. That's not even the worst. I, the worst is yet to come. Stephen uh, refuses to help Nico again, and so Nico kills him and takes the skin because the prostitute has a baby. Yeah, next to like the baby's next door. Yeah, yeah so yeah. he ends up killing her and taking Stephen's skin. Yeah, um, he says, "I give you the shirt off my. I gave you the shirt off my back." And he's like, "It's not the shirt that I want." <laughs> Number one, no, he didn't. <laughs> Because obviously this is technically a remake and Nico was shirtless, like Frank <laughs> from the original film. <laughs> so he wasn't even wearing a shirt. Yeah. Diane. Did he give him the hoodie that he's suddenly I think he was. I think he was using a metaphor. Diane, Stephen uses the puzzle box to contact the Cenobites and become one of them to get revenge. So Stephen is the second version of Pinhead and the Stephen holding the family's hostage is Nico wearing Stephen's skin? Yeah. He decides to spill the tea and reveals that one of the reasons why he and Stephen ran away from home was because they were both angry at Stephen's father and Nico's mother having an affair. Oh, and believe it, she's no Sharon Stone. <laughs> he demands that Emma solves the puzzle box for him, intending for the Cenobites to take her in his place, thus assuring his freedom. Yeah, Nico's mum, she's the worst. She's basically like, uh, why are you doing this? You're home now. Everything's okay. <laughs> that's what, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically Again, what she said. This is Nico. He murdered someone. Yeah, and I'm, I'm literally like, I don't fucking think so, darling. <gasps> Nico's mum, you are a dumb bitch. You also <laughs> deserve to die. Like, what? how much are you going to forgive your child? Like, he's just shot someone. He's literally said he's stolen somebody's skin. Yeah. He's murdered a prostitute. He's just outed you. Like, <laughs> it's EastEnders on Christmas Day. <laughs> and you're so, everything's okay. We can get... You know, your husband's dead. Like, what is this? <laughs> you're stu- you are stupid. Get a hold of yourself, woman. Emma stabs Nico. Candles randomly appear on the table. Oh, and... <laughs> <laughs> just, ra- just randomly candles. <laughs> Someone, I don't know who, I'm assuming that Nico, Stephen, or he's made Emma do it, just light like 20 candles. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need that to open the fucking you don't, box. You don't, you don't. You're so stupid. She opens the portal and summons the Cenobites, including Stephen, who kills Nico's mother for speaking out of turn. Absolutely. And she deserved it too. I wish it was worse. 
Nico attempts to barter his life for Emma's, and uh, while Pinhead notes that Emma has a dark sexual desire that he admires, like, damn bitch, you're nasty. Exactly. <laughs> she does. He refuses. Like, and... I'm gonna let you live because you tried to shag your brother. <laughs> he refuses and chooses to reclaim Nico for further experiments. As Nico is taken away, Emma's father shoots and kills him in a dying act to oh. revenge. He's like, no one gets to kill you but me, you little fuck. <laughs> and that's fucking stupid. He's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Displeased at having lost a victim, the Cenobites take Emma's mother as a replacement for Nico. And she gets the hooks through the face treatment. And I can assure you, she looks like she's getting a fucking manicure. <laughs> She, she just looks a little shocked at most. She's not in pain. She's not screaming. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, I won't come back from this. Oh dear. <laughs> Emma's father apologises and dies in Emma's arms. And left alone, Emma reaches for the puzzle box. And that's it. That is, that that is, is it. That is it. Complete film. waste of fucking time. It's a abundantly clear that not a single ounce of effort was put into any of this. No. No. They literally were like, okay, so well we can't we can't sell shit. Um but trust and believe we ain't gonna put any money or effort into this or any time. No. Um and I, when I said that they can't sell shit I mean like a turd mm-hmm. in a DVD tape. Yeah. But this is fucking close. This is really bottom of the barrel bullshit. It, it, it is. And they still made another one. Yeah. Like before they sold the rights. Like, honestly, this is the time to sell the rights. This is the time. You've, you've embarrassed yourself, Dimension Films. You've embarrassed your company. You've embarrassed everyone involved. It's this insult. is insult. It, it really is. The people who are Hellraiser fans, who have followed each of the films, yeah. the highs and many lows yeah. of the franchise, this is an insult to yeah. them. Because they literally said, well, we want to hold on to the rights. So we are going to release just the biggest pile of crap. Yeah. And people are just going to have to deal with it. And yes, the whole Doug Bradley thing. Imagine if Doug Bradley was in this. Yeah. Imagine if Doug Bradley was in this. Yeah. And people were like, oh, it's Hellraiser, Doug Bradley. I'm going to spend money. Yeah on this and they watched it and it's just the worst it really is it's one of the worst films I've ever watched and they had the cheek to still put the terrible looking pinhead on the front cover on the front cover at least it's a warning to people at least it's like oh you know if if he looks like that I ain't gonna watch it (sighs) yeah I'm assuming this didn't make a penny people watched it and it's straight to video so technically Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's nothing else to say other than it is absolute fucking dire trash. And for ratings, I give it one half ass teeth chatter out of ten, and that's being generous. I, I was also generous with one Karen with two kids whose life didn't mean anything <laughs> until she had children, so she actively tries to cover up her son's involvement in a murder <laughs> out of ten. Uh, yeah, must be trash, be trash, but it's, it's trash. It's trash. It's really bottom of the barrel trash. Don't put yourself through it, but it is available on video on demand and Blu-ray. It's got a Blu-ray release. There are fucking some great films out there that still don't have Blu-ray releases, and it's got a fucking Blu-ray release. It's not, it wasn't even fun. 
no. wasn't camp. It wasn't so bad. It's good. I think it was. It was tainted by knowing that it's a cheap cash grab. Yeah. You know, something like the room is bad. It's very bad, mm-hmm. but it's got a bit of heart to it. Yeah. This hasn't. It's it's heartless. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoy this, then I suggest you sit down, take a long, hard think about your taste in films, and then rewatch the original Hellraiser. <laughs> if you enjoy this, check yourself into the nearest hospital immediately, or watch the original. <laughs> yeah. And now to the awards. Oh lord! Biggest queen, I have Chelsea in Hellworld. I have Chelsea in Hellworld, or maybe Pinhead. <laughs> at least, well, well, at least she gave it her all. She did that roundhouse kick, and she was given final girl. Yeah, she was. She, it was final yeah. girl. He, he, you know, there was the sleazy guy that tried to come onto her, yeah. and she was like, "Not today, Mister." Yeah, you know that's final girl material. Biggest gasp uh, for me. It's the first and the only award this will win. The first glimpse of Pinhead's awful makeup and costume in How Raise Revelations. Absolutely, the Pinhead revelation. In yeah. Pinhead. In Hellraiser Revelations. Uh, best dialogue. I've got How's That for a Wake Up Call by Pinhead in Our World. Um, I would like to apologise, but my best dialogue was I'd love to see your puzzle box. <laughs> and that's camp. I, of course, have Chelsea saying goodbye, asshole, and roundhouse kicking Lance Henriksen. That roundhouse kick to Lance Henriksen. With that being said, this episode isn't a competition episode like original versus remake, but I mean, if it was, how world is as well and truly born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and even deader is better than how and than revelations. Oh, that, let's make something very clear. I fucking hated this whole experience, <laughs> and we only got one the left. Pain, the pain we went through for this podcast episode. We're happy to reveal that on May thirtieth. We will be bringing you our final Hellraiser episode where we'll be discussing Hellraiser Judgment. And thankfully the remake. Yeah. Which is a good film. It is. It's a good film. After watching all these sequels, a rating might even go up for the remake. I... (laughs) I... Yeah. Made by actual people with actual talent and... (laughs) Yeah. I will reiterate of all the and I haven't seen them all, but of all the horror franchises I've seen, Hellraiser collectively has been the worst. Yeah. Yeah. But I've enjoyed recording these podcasts. Yes. Yeah. So let, a little something good came out. Let, let us know your favourite. It's brought me and Gary closer together <laughs> as a couple. Yeah, let us let us know your favorite sequel. We're uh, will do that. We're Horrorcourt Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horrorcourt Trash on Twitter. I'm Delight Gaz ninety two on Letterboxd. Gazmo two five on Instagram and Gaz Cruz ninety two on Twitter. I'm Chris Parker eight two three on Instagram and Letterboxd. And get yourself along to our horror festival Gasp in June, uh, where we're showing much better films than everything we spoke about on this episode. Absolutely. We are Gasp Horror Fest across all social media. Give us a rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, like a follow on everything else. Next week, we're back and we're discussing Fear City. I am so excited. Has to be better than. Yeah, oh, it has to be. Films. It has to be. The fucking trailer is 10 times better than any of these films. 
We'll be back same time, same place next week. Bye.